Well, welcome guys and girls and everybody else out there in podcast land to another episode of the Nitrogen Podcast. Today, covering Nitro, number 44, July 15th, 1996, from the Disney MGM Studios, once again in Orlando, Florida, with an attendance of a maximum of 600 people. Um, but before we crack into it, how's life on your side of the tracks there? Brian, bodacious one, Bradshaw. Yeah, everything's good. Um, I'm a little tired, if you can't tell from my uh, croaky voice today. I've not slept much over the last couple of days, but... Uh, Got a beer in hand. I'm gonna power through it. And you know what? I never asked this. How are you, Morik? <laughs> You've asked once or twice. Uh, I'm fine. I'm absolutely fine. I've nothing to complain about in this life at this moment in time. Yeah. So, yeah. I was just thinking. I fucking neglect asking Mark how he is. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about that. Don't worry about. It. If there was something wrong, I'd discuss it on the podcast with you and all the fine listeners out there that have been tuning in week after week. And we are so appreciative of everybody that's been tuning in. The numbers are still rising. Here, there, and everywhere. America, Europe, Australia, Russia. You know, we, we, we're all over the place, and it's thanks to you guys for listening in. Uh, what I, I mean, that's just makes me feel really warm and fuzzy inside. Yeah, Russia. That's a really surprising one. I think it's all them NWR hashtags that we're putting on Instagram. Like uh, uh, the Russians are getting the wrong end of the fucking stick here. <laughs> I think I think that's probably very very true. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why I had the image of Vladimir Putin topless on his horse with headphones in, just listening to us talk. I'm okay with it. I mean, yeah. So some Photoshop that for us. Yeah, that that's a t-shirt. That's just a t-shirt waiting to happen. Of course t-shirts are coming soon to nitrogencast.com the website is now up and running and there's a couple of things on there it's a slow and steady work in progress but the uh, the main page is up there and the app is going to be coming very soon brian is still working hard on the nitrogen blogcast uh, blog posts that are going to be on the website and of course gary's working on the aw ones around our busy work schedules because of course we are blue collar workers in this wild and wacky world um, we've got to earn a wage, and that's how we pay for everything, Brian. That's how we. That's how we. Well, that's how we do this, really. Yeah, pretty much. It is. So Brian did say whilst that intro was happening that he's got a beer in hand, even though he's had. We're going on days now of not sleeping very well, so we're gonna fire you into the top rope taste test, aka the turt. And what have you got for us today, Brian? Well, uh, just a little be- uh, behind the scenes uh, discussion and all this shit. Um, Mark hasn't had a beer for me. Uh, unfortunately, our paths haven't crossed, and unfortunately, I'm not able to try that beer. Uh, that beer was a new one from Top Rope Test Test called On This Day. Now, anybody that knows me, Edge is one of my favourite guys ever. Alter Bridge, my favourite band ever. And I love beer. So it's like all my worlds are colliding, and <laughs> WrestleMania weekend is this weekend, and Edge is about to reclaim his throne. There is no other way. If, if, if he doesn't then you can scrap the rest of fucking WrestleMania. You can put it put it all in the bin because it's going to mean fuck all. He has to reclaim his throne, my opinion, but also a fight. But anyway, unfortunately, because I can't taste that beer, motherfucker, Mark, <laughs> I'm going to go for Head of the Table, a tribute to Roman Reigns, who, I've got to be honest, Mark, over the last, I think it's six, seven months, he has been on fucking top four. And if Edge wasn't in that match... I'd say he'd has to w- he has to win, and I love Daniel Bryan, but Roman Reigns is on fucking fire. He's actually made me kicking and screaming a fan of his. So wow. a little tribute to him. Head of the table. If I can open the fucking can proper. Uh, oh, got a splatter on my jeans. Nice. Not the first time you've said that. Uh, <laughs> fucking, I'll leave it out. Not on the podcast, Mike. <laughs> it's not the first time you said that either. <laughs> Right, test. 
Oh, God. I can't do a Roman Reigns impression to save my life. But uh, it was more, ooh, ah, that's what I should have done. Not a bad beer. Not bad. I do like that. It's not too strong. It's quite, it's quite light. Really refreshing. Um, it, it, it says it's tropical. I can't taste the tropics in this. Uh, maybe it will take a few swigs. But you know what? Really nice. I like it. Yeah, you might get that as you're going further down the can, because obviously it's it sort of the sediment goes to the bottom, doesn't it? So it might get stronger and stronger as you get to the bottom. Um, or at least you didn't go <laughs> because that would have been, uh, yeah, that would have been a poor review. Uh, well, obviously it just would have been a, a, a review of, of negativeness, really. But yeah. hey, oh, that's that's everybody's taste. That's the that's the that's the beauty of this is that that you don't have to like everything. And you can say, well, you know, oh, that's not really that's not that good. But that's your opinion, isn't it? That's that's what if you're into it or whether you're not into it. And to be fair to you, Brian, you've you've you know you've tried a good few stouts, especially when when we've been out on the town and everything like that. Um, stuff that you normally wouldn't have tried, and you've no problem saying, well, that is shit. But at yeah. the end of the day, it's all it's a, it's about personal preference, in it. Just like that's in the wrestling it. world, except we're not going to go on Twitter and fucking besmirch every Tom, Dick and Harry that says different to our opinion yeah and I've had actually a really good run with Top Rope because there's not been a beer that I haven't liked mm, mm. you know um, obviously that could change any time now but you know we're on a really good run and if I didn't like it you know it's it's not uh, it's nothing against Top Rope Brewery at all I know people there are sensitive people who are going oh you didn't like that beer why are you bad mouthing Top Rope and it's like it's not that it's not that at all those guys, I will forever champion them. They are, you know, really nice guys. I've had a, quite a few discussions with them on Twitter now, and they've always been really polite in the in the responses. And they make fucking good beer. So even if one or two beer just doesn't hit the sweet spot, there's been like five or six now that I've really enjoyed. So you know, I think that says a lot about them. Yeah, it does. And I think they've got uh, a very unique selling point by using, you know, wrestling as as the kind of Think obviously we've talked in the past about the, the the one that they did for Destiny. Um, it's just really geeky beer that that you know. It's something that we can all enjoy and laugh at, and uh, everybody loves beer. I mean, come on, even people who don't like beer like a beer. No argument for me. No, and just to clarify as well, the uh, on this day, Brian will receive it before WrestleMania. I'm hoping Is it WrestleMania starts tomorrow, doesn't it? Yes. Right, so you'll have it before tomorrow at 2am. <laughs> so, you should be okay, because I think Brian's got an announcement to make as well. Obviously, this is dropping at 7pm our time, which would be about 2pm Eastern in America. Um, and Brian has an announcement as to what he's going to do with the Nitrogen Twitter during yes. WrestleMania weekend. Yes, I'm going to be live tweeting along to both nights of WrestleMania this year. Boom. I wasn't going to watch, there's only two matches that really caught my eye. Obviously, the Roman Reigns edge Daniel Bryan match for the Universal title and Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair because I think Sasha Banks is a really, really good wrestler. I, I would go as far as saying she's great, even though she does botch a fair bit. And Bianca Belair is, she has so much upside and I have been a fan of her, a fan of her for quite a while now. And the fact that she's actually getting a championship opportunity and it's main event in the first night, apparently, as well. All right. That's a big fucking deal, a really big yeah. deal. So. You know, for those two matches on two different nights, probably both being the main events of them, you know, it, it it's just easy for me to, you know, just to keep an eye on Twitter, uh, check when it's going to happen, tune into the network and watch. But there's always that nostalgia, even though WWE just doesn't hit the sweet spot to me anymore. 
there's always that nostalgia about WrestleMania that yeah. I'll still watch. Even if I say I don't watch, something pulls me in. And this year, it's been very hard to get me enthusiastic. Even harder than last year, would you believe? Hmm. And, you know, I, I was just thinking, okay, what's the difference between this year and last year? Well, last year, we didn't have an established podcast. We had a podcast, but it wasn't established. Yeah. This year, we have an established podcast. We have, you know, some followers on Twitter. We don't have a lot of followers. You know, that needs improving. Why not tweet along? So, yeah, if you're, if you're up for having a chatter with me tomorrow night, Come join me. There you go, folks. Live and exclusive on the Nitrogen Podcast podcast episode. Brian will be live tweeting at WrestleMania, and he will have his beer by then as well. So hopefully he manages to get a tweet out to Top Rock Brewing and to uh, Tap Select, who have supplied it for us, and give us his little review on the Top Rock Taste Test on Twitter. So that's the... I might just record it and put it on Twitter or just send the file over to my good friend Mark and just put it into the next episode. Maybe. Maybe one night I'll just decide not to have a beer. (laughs) (laughs) That'll never happen. No, no. Especially not on WrestleMania weekend. I mean, come on. I mean, that's that's, that's beer and pizza paradise, isn't it, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck, I had my pizza yesterday. (laughs) Well, I I can't see there being a problem. You having more than one. Um... Just, just to, just to go back to what you were saying there about Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. Um, yeah, Sasha Banks has always struck me as the kind of person that that really isn't that that nice of a person. But no. we were talking a while back about Bianca Belair when it came to the Royal Rumble, and I got it mixed up with somebody else. But uh, yes, <laughs> I completely fucking agree. Like that, that would, you know, if, if there was if there was a match that I was going to watch on Mania, and I don't know the card to be perfectly honest. I'm not intending on watching any of it this weekend. Um, I've got other things to do, unfortunately. But yeah, if there was if there was multiple matches there, it's nice to see that Bianca Bella is getting a push so significant uh, yeah. that they're going to, as you said, main event the first night of WrestleMania, which goes down as a main event, and yeah. it's not involving you know the usual suspects. You know, I know that 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 there's some old guard that have been coming back into WWE sort of line of sight, and that usually happens around this time. Edge is a prime example. Edge coming back, you know, to go straight into a main event at WrestleMania. You know, they could have brought anybody, like Trish could have been coming back to face off against Sasha Banks, or, you know, maybe they could have got Lita back in the ring or whatever. It's good that they're pushing somebody else, and it's also good that it's not somebody like Charlotte Fleur. Yes, that's... The usual suspects. It's good. It's good. Yeah, that's where we're going to go. And people have been pissing and moaning that Bailey's been left off the card. And, yeah, she had a really good year last year, and it's sad that she's not on the card. It it really is. But I'm, I'm I'm of the opinion that not everybody has to be on the card. You get you, you get the you, you get the big names that are in established programs. Hmm. You get them on, and I think any other year I probably would completely disagree that she deserves to be. I think this year, yeah, she does deserve to be, but I, I also don't think it's as important as what people make it out to be. Unfortunately, if she's on the card, then somebody's going to miss out. Somebody like a Bianca Buller or a Rhea Ripley, you know, and I, I don't think that's fair. I really don't. I, I just much prefer that. Yeah, give give us a break from the old guard, the Baileys, the Charlottes. You know, just let the rest of the roster breathe for one year and see what they can do. Because at the end of the day, if Bianca Belair goes out tomorrow night and puts on a five star performance, that's somebody that Charlotte or Bailey, whoever, can make more money with, and yeah. that is the most important thing in wrestling. Mm-hmm. 
that's what matters at the end of the day, and that's what matters. So yes, live tweet along at NitrogenCast. That's where you can catch that. Uh, Brian will be tweeting along WrestleMania, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing the replies to it. Even though I myself will not be partaking in such things, unless something crazy happens, and then Brian's just sort of like phoning me saying, "You need to turn on WrestleMania right fucking now." <laughs> um, hopefully that does happen, uh, but unfortunately I can't really see it. I wanted to ask you about this. Um, I was going to say there is a caveat to this, by the way. I probably should have said this. It's just come to mind. I am working tomorrow night until ten o'clock, and. I'm not 100% sure what time WrestleMania starts, because usually it does start around about 10 o'clock in U- uh, UK time, but being across two nights, it might be a little bit different, it might be 12, there might be a pre-show, I'm probably going to end up missing the pre-show, but to be honest with you, it's the pre-show, it's like, yeah, there's probably wrestlers on there that I'd like to see, and, you know, uh, it, it'd be a shame to miss them, and, and, and what have you, but it's... It, it's just not as important as the main card, and that—that's just a fact. It's sad as it is, that's just a fact. And it, to me, it's like watching Heat before the old WrestleManias. You know, yes. Yeah. Uh, shrug shoulders, whatever you. You know, I can—I can take it or leave it. That's it for me. You know, so I might end up missing the the the, uh, the pre-show tomorrow. I might end up missing the first hour for all I know. I've got to get home from work after finishing at ten and have a shower and just. Get myself in the in, in the groove, ready for WrestleMania a little bit, you know. Um, so yeah, if if people don't see me tweeting straight away, don't don't be tweeting others going, oh, I thought you were gonna promise, you know. End of day, you know, I I still have to work and I work every Saturday night, so yeah, uh, I will be doing it. That's it. You don't need to worry about it. I will be doing it. Yeah, well, I've just given it a quick Google and uh, Talksport of all things are saying that. It actually starts at midnight in the UK, but BT's coverage starts at 1am. So, yeah, the pre-shows and everything like that, like you said, they might be missable, but it looks like the matches are actually starting at 1am our time. So oh, that's so commitment. I might, I might end up seeing the pre-show. Yeah, you might get in there uh, nice and early enough. But yeah, that's uh, that's commitment, dude. 1am after a day's work, and he's just going to live-tweet all this live wrestling action your way. So make sure you check out the Twitter, at NitrogenCast, as we've already discussed with you there um as i was i was going to say before then i wanted to ask you quickly about the um so i saw a video last week of uh the wwe using kind of like augmented reality when somebody had entered the ring uh well i don't know if it was during an entrance or something like that but somebody basically just taunted in the middle of the ring and a lot of butterflies appeared (laughs) that Uh, riddle yeah i think it was a lot of birds actually was it yeah yeah, a lot of people were just sort of like, "What the fuck is this shit?" I mean, one of the one of the specific ones was actually somebody retweeting that, and they said, "Why the fuck didn't WCW win?" <laughs> and that that obviously that piqued my interest. Like, obviously, Twitter is very very like sort of you know feeds off all the information that you put into Twitter, so it fed back to me anything that's WCW, which is really hard when it becomes Woman Crush Wednesday. You just get fucking tits galore. Um, yeah. But yeah, it just came up with why didn't WCW win, um, and it did crack me up. But yeah, I saw this sort of like augmented reality sort of thing on the on on the screen, uh, and I, I wondered what you because you did say about the um, the silly train noises a couple of weeks ago. I was wondering how you felt about this one. Right, I'm not going to shit all over it. I'm going to shit over the the one that we had, the one that we saw for different reasons, but I'm not going to shit on it because like like Pyro. Pyro, it, it can enhance a wrestler's entrance. Like, can, can we out the fire? Does it work? Undertaker, we out the smoke? 
doesn't work. You know, I, I, I also say edge without the smoke. It just doesn't work. It doesn't feel right. You know, you've got to, you know, you've got to have a little bit of pyro here and there. Yeah. But if if you are if WWE are talking about scaling back on the pyro because over the last year they've used a hell of a lot of pyro to make up for the fact that the fans aren't in the arenas just to give it a little extra salt and pepper. You know, if they're on about budgeting and cutting back on the pyro, this is a good alternative. Like, you keep the pyro for the big names, you know, for the important entrances that really do need it. But, you know, I, I think AR can be a good thing. But when it's Matt Riddle, Matt Riddle, whose character is, I'm a stoner, because that's all his <laughs> character is, really. Oh, hey, bro, you know, smoke weed every day. He doesn't say that on TV, obviously. But that, you know what he's thinking. Like, it, that's literally his character. What the fuck have Tweety Bird's got to do with Matt Riddle? Yeah. It makes no fucking sense. Now, if you had a fucking giant spliff, you know, fucking flying towards the screen, yeah, understood. I get it, you know. But that that made no fucking sense to me. Just really fucking weird production at the moment from WWE. But if if, if you're gonna if you're gonna do if you're gonna use AR, at least let it make sense. Yeah. You know, and, and they've been using AR for the last couple of years, but usually it's like on the entrance ramp, like a big logo or something like that. I mean, if it's Roman Reigns, it's a big dog because he's a big dog and all that. But, uh, you know, in the middle of the ring, doing, this, doing a pause, like if you if that were The Undertaker and you had a lot of skulls or zombies or something like that, it would really look fucking cool. I'd give it that. But Birds to Matt Riddle makes no sense. Fair enough. That's that's what I wanted. That's one. <laughs> that's the question I wanted to ask you primarily, and I, I got an answer. So there we go. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do moving forward. I mean, yeah, now you're Jackson. There's somebody actually getting injured. Yeah, true. Ooh. <laughs> or big big letters. My hole. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, they really could have capitalised on that. Like you remember, remember a couple of years ago where they had the greatest Royal Rumble in Saudi Arabia, and Titus O'Neil fucking slipped out when he ran, yeah. when he was running down the ramp, but he ended up underneath the ring, yeah, and all that. That became a massive thing. The he had T-shirts and everything. He probably made more money from that uh, from that one gaff than he ever did on his uh, from all his other merch sales. Yeah, he probably totally. made more money. That's probably the most money he's made in his career because, and you know, and that is maximizing on a really really funny moment just a funny moment that shouldn't have happened you know it were absolutely brilliant now you Jacks could have made money from t-shirts that just said my hole because people <laughs> yeah. would have bothered i'm not a big naya jacks fan i think she's a competent wrestler when she's not injuring people and i think yeah. she's super marketable considering you know her size and things like that i would have bought that fucking t-shirt i literally <laughs> would and i wouldn't buy many many WWE t-shirts but a t-shirt that says my hole i mean if i wore that Say if I wore that and I went into into my workplace on a day off, you know, to do some shopping, and somebody asked me like that, I'd be like, "Well, you know, this is a story behind it. You know, <laughs> it, it's a good story. You know, something that we all can laugh at. I can show a video and say, okay, you might not like wrestling, but this is something that happened. And she genuinely hurt herself when she's out in my hole. <laughs> like, you know, that is, oh my god, the marketing team in WWE have missed a trick. Yeah, I, th- I think they do that quite a lot, though. Um, oh I yeah. Mean- fuck- if you wanted to go like really inside, you could have one that says "my quads" and it'd be about Kevin Nash. What inside like, my hole? Your your quads inside <laughs> your hole. You wait. If you want to go inside and on like inside my hole, what? That's where I thought you were going. <laughs> I didn't even right. think of that. Oh dear. Uh, fight, fight, fight! Fuck you didn't. No, no. I'll leave your mind in the gutter. Uh, I, I'm staying above the gutter today. 
Jesus Christ, I'm sweating. <laughs> I'd sweat too. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's all yeah. that out of the way. Bees just come out my nose. Cheers, dude. <laughs> How's the but top rock taste test through the nose? Out my holes. So that'd be the T R T T T T N Turton. Oh fucking hell. All right, here we go. WCW Nitro, July 15th, 1996 from Disney. Um, Tony and Larry start off showing us the footage from Bash at the Beach, 1996, and the Hogan heel turn. Again, we've been through all this. It's in the archives. You can go and see it. Go and listen to the watch along that we had a lot of fun with. Um, Got to say, jump... every time oh. they go back to to that video, the video footage of Bash at the Beach, mm. it, it still gives me chills. Like, I've seen that a million times. Yeah. You know, and I've not been able to see it in the context of... You know, or retroactively as what would have been uh, 1996, eight, uh, so middle, middle of 1996, so eight going on nine-year-old me. How would I add react in that time? Yeah. So I'm looking at it retroactively, you know, now from, watch, uh, from watching the Nitros and all that. And yeah, just like watching it back now, it just gives me fucking chills. Because I can imagine me as a kid, I probably would have been a Hogan fan. You know, as much as I ain't, you know, I never have been, I really would have been as a kid. That would have brought my fucking heart. But as, a, yeah. as an adult that that really appreciates the art form of wrestling and the back, you know the the inside you know, the inside stuff and knowing that it's working all that combined with that, it just gives me goosebumps. What a fucking moment that is! It is, yeah, yeah. And I think in, in retrospect, you know, knowing that it's what it set off and it changed the business and and everybody everybody who was involved in the business started profiteering mm-hmm. from the business simply because, you know. When you combine the ratings of the two shows, you were looking at tens, elevens, twelves. You know what I mean? There was so many fucking people watching the show, and so many, uh, so, so many shirts being sold. You know, so much money being thrown around, so much, so much money being made. Retrospectively, looking back at that moment, being the fucking time that wrestling became, oh, hello, wrestling's cool. Yeah, um, I think that helps a lot as well. I, I just, yeah. I get what you mean. I mean, I, I don't get the chills. Uh, I, I guess I'd use that as a, as a phrase to kind of describe the kind of feeling that you get. But every time, you know, it's one of them that you just never skip, and it comes on, and you just like, you just watch it. Yeah, lightning in a st- bottle. Yeah, totally. I mean, and the the one issue I did have with this is that if you notice that they actually edited the commentary in in places. Yeah, um, I, I I didn't notice that. But yeah, I and can, then I, I was gonna I, I was gonna mention obviously Heenan saying yeah, but whose side is he on? So they left that in. Yeah. So that made me think that instantly, you know, like two weeks after the fact, well, it wasn't even two weeks where it was eight days, um, eight days after the fact, you know, WCW, Bischoff and Core, there's no heat on Heenan for saying that because they actually no. edited it back in to the video eight days later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, And again, it's like people go on about how he spoiled it. No, he fucking didn't. He never trusted Hulk Hogan. He never did. That is the most perfect line because if you're watching that as a kid, if I was watching that as a kid, and he turned around and said, well, whose side is... Whose side is he on? I would not have thought Hulk Hogan's turning here. Yeah. Even as an adult, now, if that was like the fir- the first time, if I had absolutely no fucking knowledge of NWO, I was a new wrestling fan. Like Beth, I would never have picked up on that. I would never have picked up Hulk Hogan's turning. Now, obviously, you know, I know how wrestling works. If somebody says something like that, I'm, I'm like, you've clued me in, guys. You know, yeah, totally. you know, we, that, that's what the internet's done. It's kind of like taking a bit of gloss off the wrestling business, unfortunately. Absolutely. That's just the way it is. Yeah. But, you know, like Beth, and you know, not a wrestling fan. She knows a little bit about about the business, but not a wrestling fan. She didn't suspect that, you know. Yeah. And I think she reacted very positively about it as well. You know, mm. um, I haven't listened back, but I remember she was like, 
oh my god like and yeah it was that, it was that, quite... that goes to show you what how big that fucking moment was it yeah. really is a non-wrestling fan knows who Hulk Hogan is and he's fucking turned like incredible stuff you, yeah. you can't replicate that you just really can't now like and people people and even me would discuss like uh, the person behind the shield it should have been John Cena now John Cena coming out you know with, uh, ripping off his t-shirt and and like you know there's a shield t-shirt on underneath you know that would have been pretty cool it really would have been you know but there's also that aura of retreading water it's something that's been done hmm. it just isn't the same it, yeah. as much as as much of a cool moment it is you got to look at Hulk Hogan and John Cena side by side you know two very very similar characters in many ways you know yeah. not from their personas but from you know what what they do what they're about you know they're all about the kids they're all about you know bright colors and things like that you know they're all about America as well right mm. it, it, it's just too similar it's just too similar I can understand why WWE didn't do that now, even though John Cena apparently did push for it. You know, he, he really wanted to become a heel at that time. But well, fair you know, play to him. He, he he obviously saw the reaction of fans and saw you know a lot of the way that the business, not the business itself, but you know you know what I mean, like the way I, things were going at that time. And he didn't feel confident enough to sort of continue to be a, a 100, 110% white meat babyface sort of well, thing. Well, at this point, Roman Reigns was you know he he was. He, he was being tipped as the next guy. Yeah. And honestly, as as much as I felt, I, I feel like that moment is just a carbon copy, it still would have worked and it would have done a hell of a lot more for Roman Reigns than The Rock lifting up his arm at the, you know, when even the Royal Rumble would have done. You know, mm. that moment, John Cena, uh, showing that he was the man behind the shield all along and then he pushes Roman Reigns out over time and then he ascends to his throne... Like, that's the best way to get behind Roman Reigns, and it would have fucking worked. So, again, I think WWE missed a trick, but I also understand why they didn't do it. They wouldn't have wanted to feel like they were ripping off WCW. Yeah. Yeah, I get you completely. Um, I, uh, the one thing I will go back to is, is basically um, what you were saying about Beth. You know, she's been with me for over two years now, and all I've done for them two years is slag Hulk Hogan off. So... <laughs> Uh, she, she, she kind of went went into this, you know, thinking, well, Hulk Hogan's a bit of a dick anyway, because you know, never puts anybody over and, and essentially stops Sting from being the biggest fucking star on the planet. Um, and then sat there and saw, you know, Hulk Hogan turning, but she still knew that he was like, you know, say prayers, eat, eat vitamins, sort of thing. So I say vitamins, it's vitamins over here. Um, yeah. But yeah, like she's still as a you know you, you know a, a girl in her thirties now. He's just like. Wow! I, even in 1996, I can't believe that happened. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, it was. It was. It was something. And we did discuss it on a previous episode that I was. I was thinking about filming it, and it's something that unfortunately all we can do is all I can do is describe the the reaction to 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 all you guys. Um, yeah, she was she was pretty shocked, and and that's the closest you can get to, you know, something that happened 25 years ago. Yeah, um, which and I wasn't seen by someone. Yeah, and. And I know some of our like fans, like Rob and Glenn, you know those kind of people would probably agree with me on this completely. That I I genuinely believe that going forward, the watch-alongs that we do, particularly the big watch-alongs, so you're talking the Starcades or the War Game, you know, uh, Fall Brawl, where there's a big War Games match, things like that. Beth has to join us now. Cause I oh, think totally. We, I think we set a standard. Yeah. 
you know yeah, that, um, that extra dimension and you know the dynamic and everything like that and and yeah and fresh eyes and yeah 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 i i, I completely agree because again like yeah. a lot of this isn't fresh eyes for me this is kind of okay this episode is quite kind of fresh eyes until we get to the end and i've seen the end multiple times but um this you know it's very rare that i'm going to be fresh eyes and i'm just going to be excited about it and and i'm kind of going to guide you through it a little bit totally. uh, but to get yeah yeah i i agree i agree completely um stockade 97 would be the fucking one for me like i just when 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 it comes to stockade 1997 we we are all going to be back together the uk is going to be back to normal um and that is the one all three of us should do stockade 97 and i'll just fucking i'll cry at the end i'll tell you yeah (laughs) (laughs) but yeah going back to the video package um I, i i i have been quite hard on wcw for Constantly regurgitating the video package, the or the stills and things like that. Because yeah. for me, it's like taking up time. It's all filler. It's unnecessary, especially when it's two weeks after. This is the one time where I give them credit. You hmm. have to keep beating this into people's brains. You hmm. have to keep showing this and put it, put you know, put it, put it out there that this is a not just a. a a turning point for WCW. It's a turning point for the industry as a whole. Yeah. This is a historic moment, and it's happened in WCW. They have to capitalize on this, and I they, they don't overdo it. They don't overdo it. They just show the video yet again at the beginning of this natural, and I'm like, fucking good on you because you should be fucking doing this. Yeah, I mean, we should clarify that this is the first time that they've shown the video on free TV. They showed yeah. stills last week. Um, it's the only time that they show it during this episode as well. It's, in fact, it's the only thing from Bash at the Beach, apart from a, a video package later on, that any footage is shown from Bash at the Beach 1996. Um, and this is the it, time that they do it. And I expect them to do it again next week, and they should do yeah. They really yeah. should. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I should just clarify as well um, that given the uh, switch over t- to Peacock or whatever it is in the US... Uh, I currently have no network, so I watch this on a VHS rip. So there, there might be a little bit more detail in this than there normally would be on the network because now, well, I'll ask you this now. Actually, if you watched it on the network, I, 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 as they <laughs> went into a break every time, was uh, was there like a promo from a wrestler? Yes, there was. Right. Okay. So nothing's changed. I mean, they've taken the sponsors out. There's a sponsor later on that, that give me a chuckle. So we'll, we'll talk about that later <laughs> on. Um, so I'll jump into the first match, uh, tag team match with the Steiner Brothers and Fire and Ice. Of course, Fire and Ice, or Fire and Earth, baby, are uh, <laughs> Ice Train and Scott Norton. And i, I got to be honest, I didn't write much about this because it was... And, and to be honest, we talked about this a few weeks ago, or maybe even a couple of months ago. We were excited to see these two teams actually go against each other. Then they did it at the pay-per-view, yeah. and it wasn't that good. No, um, I thought this was an improvement, but I don't know, it was just... Just sort of there for me, even though I I, re- I really like all four of them. Yeah. Just um, it was disjointed. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. For, for um, me, there was like there was no proper pacing to the match. Like certain spots that Scott Norton was doing in particular just seemed like they were in the wrong place. Like there's this there's this one moment in the match where uh, Scott Norton's in the ring and Rick Steiner tags Scott uh, Scott Steiner in. Fucking hell, this is gonna be hard. Norton and Scott. <laughs> You know, Scott and Norton, sorry, if you get confused, just try and follow follow along. Scott and Norton. Scott is Scott Steiner, Norton is Scott Norton. You know? Yeah. Just a little index for you. Uh, Norton's in the ring, Rick tags in his brother, tags in Scott, and Norton just throws him out the ring. Just yeah. dumps him out the ring. And 
he, he does an axe handle and then brings him back in. Like, what is the point in that? <laughs> it made no fucking sense to me. It's like, do some fucking work in the ring before you throw him out. It's like, yeah. oh, he's dead, no, get the fuck out. Like, no, it don't work for me. No, it was uh, it was very weird. So I wrote power, power, power to start off with as we go into a break. And it continues thereafter. There's not much to report. A nice running power slam from Train on Rick. Uh, a decent enough contest. With the finish being Ice Train going for a splash on Rick Steiner. But he moves, which pulls Norton down, who was holding Rick down in the first place, and makes Norton the victim. Uh, Rick hits a sweet German suplex on Ice Train, and the pin happens, even though the commentators speculate Ice Train wasn't even the legal man. Uh, the winner, Rick Steiner, for the Steiner brothers, via pinfall in 10 minutes and 43 seconds. Yeah, we've, we've covered it. We, we, yeah. you know, you've, you've got our opinions on that one. Yeah, underwhelming. Yeah. Um, yeah. Next up, Gene's going to be at the entranceway with the Dungeon of Doom, and Sullivan just basically repeats his promo from last week. Yeah. Bubba, just <laughs> Almost word for word. Um, Bubba tells Lex not to worry about Sting and all that lot, but to worry about him, a pretty pretty nothing thing. Uh, the Fire and Ice do walk past them arguing, which leads into the next angle, which is Gene backstage with Fire and Ice. Uh, Norton is blaming Ice Train for the loss, and as Teddy Teddy Long comes down, who did uh, come down in the match, yeah, because uh, he, he likes tag team matches, player. That's holla, the one. Holla, holla. Okay. <laughs> yeah, never uh, gets comes what that in. mean, does it? <laughs> yeah, no. And so it shouldn't. Um, By the way, comes... I actually did do the little dance that he does as well when I said holla holla holla. <laughs> it, it's infectious. You can't help it. Oh, uh, just wait until we go down the video route of video in a podcast and you're just sort of there dancing on your couch. Uh, <laughs> that will never happen. <laughs> Norton Norton throws Teddy Long to the... Well, he kind of he shoves him and Teddy Long does what that... Who was that referee a few years ago who, who sort of like fell and then fell and then fell and then fell over? Like really dramatically. What? He, <laughs> it, it were in a football game. So he, a, a, I'm pretty sure Paolo Di Canio pushed him. Ah, yeah, no, no, you're on about. And he was sort of, oh, he's falling, he's falling, he's falling, he's falling, he's falling, oh, he's falling. When you say referee, we are actually clarifying what kind of referee. I was just thinking, like, was it Earl Hebner? No, I said in a football match. Beforehand, you didn't. Like, I swear you didn't. You were afterwards. (laughs) That's all right. Okay, well, we got there in the end. But yeah, whoever that was, it was kind of like that. Um, Anyway, Ice Train takes exception exception to this, uh, and Norton just sort of. The, yeah, he just sort of walks off, whereas Ice Train's just giving him shit while Gene's trying to send people back to the um, send the camera. Well, just just go back to the fucking go back to the matches. Essentially, um, I did feel like this is going to be a controversial subject, so I'm not even sure I should uh, even mention this on the podcast. But I'm going to do it anyway. I feel like there's slight racial undertones in this because Ice Train's teaming up with Teddy Long and Scott Norton is the white guy, and he's kind of like. Yeah, fuck you guys, and yeah, I don't know why, but I just kind of felt like yeah. there was, there was. I don't trust WCW when it comes to this sort of stuff, and I kind I, of feel like they were thinking, well, you know what, we're gonna make this about race. Yeah, I can see that, I can see that, but I, I, I didn't really get that. To me, it was just a tag team breaking up. Yeah, you know, and Teddy Long, he's a renowned manager, like he, he's, he, he managed the Undertaker at one point. Obviously, not as the Undertaker in WCW, uh, but. You know, he managed that guy, and he's managed white guys, he's managed black guys. It's like it's not. It, I, I never really thought, okay, this is a race angle. I okay. think part of it is as well that they mention about Craig Pittman when yeah. he comes down to the ring as well. So, 
I, I don't know. I just I just don't trust WCW when it comes to this sort of stuff. And I I, I just went down a really cynical route, and I kind of yeah. thought, oh no, they're not going to fucking do that, are they? To, to your credit, I don't trust wrestling business at all with things no. like this. <laughs> Even in 2021. Yeah. No, well, um, from Ice Train to the Iceman, it's going to be Dean Malenko versus Billy Kidman in this one. And uh, once again, I get to hand over to my man, B. Rye, over there. He's, he's going to do, he's done the write-up for this. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm going to crack my beer open, my second beer open, and I'm going to enjoy your synopsis of this one. Right. Before I get into the synopsis, i just got to do something. What a fucking segue that was. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Really, really slick. Right. <laughs> I also have to That's mention... Right. I also have to mention the, the promo for Malenko before they went to break. Like, what a fucking sleepy promo that was. Yeah. He's talking really fucking quiet. He looks knackered. He hasn't shaved. Like... Losing the WCW uh, Cruiserweight title has really affected him here. (laughs) You know, he looks like he's lost his wife. It's like, it's so fucking... I I don't know why, I just fucking found that hysterical. Like, it's just a title, Dean. Come on, check yourself. But holy shit, this match. It... I've just got to to touch on something, just just because you've just just mentioned about that promo, is... uh, The, one of the sad things that I that actually happened while Beth Beth was watching this with me, I actually had to. She asked me who Dean Malenko was, and I found that really sad because he's considered one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Mm-hmm. And you know, he he jumped to the WWF whilst WCW was still alive. You know, all his mates around him, Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit. You know, they all went on to bigger, better things, world champions. But Dean Malenko just sort of fucking stayed there on the mid card with a fucking stupid James Bond gimmick, and you know. Yeah, I mean, fair play to him now. He's, he's offering all the best advice he can, which is fucking good, to AEW. Uh, and sadly, as, as you uh, pointed out, he's been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease quite recently as well. Yeah. I just find it mega sad that, you know, a guy like that, who is considered one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, everybody knows who Kurt Angle is, everybody knows who Bret Hart is, everybody knows who fucking Ric Flair is, but nobody knows who Dean Malenko is. Yeah, this goes back to what I was saying on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, where I said that he's like one of the, he's one of the most underrated wrestlers of all time. Mm-hmm. Like if you talk about people, talk about wrestlers, that who never held a world title, and fucking hell, I'm going to go on a tangent here, because I, I literally had to repeat myself to many people on Twitter over and over and over again, what I was saying, because they were taking implications that I wasn't implying. But anyways, uh, <clears throat> I was saying Malenko is one of the most underrated wrestlers of all time. That when the when discussions come up of, oh, who could have been a world ta- uh, champion or who should have been a world champion, you get the usual suspects. You get William mm. Regal, you get Owen Hart, which I think yeah. is an unfair one considering how it ended for him. Like you know, he he died in the ring. It's it's like it's an unfair one, but he is one of those names. Like you know, just. Um, there's, there's other wrestlers as well. Like I've even I've even seen people say Lance Storm could have been a world champion, you know. And like when I hear hear these names and Dean Malenko is oh, Roddy Piper, Mr. Perfect. Those fucking two names I couldn't think of. But yeah, Mr. Th- Perfect is yeah. Kurt Hennig is uh, yeah. He's he, up he, there for me. Yeah, you know these these people that could have been world champions. Ricky Steamboat as well. That could have been world champions that never were. And mm. Dean Malenko never gets mentioned. Never gets mentioned that he's not part of this discussion, and I'm, and I appreciate that he did become a part of this discussion. Like I said, it was a missed opportunity for WCW, and I got people saying like, "Well, he didn't have the promo skills, and you know, and WCW were, you know, they they had other people that you, you can't really deny." Yeah, 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 I get it. When I said missed opportunity, 
I understand that missed opportunities are missed opportunities for a reason. I'm just saying it's sad that he didn't ascend to that throne regardless of his limitations on the promo. Because to me, like if you want to really talk about promo skills, I don't think he really needed them. He's yeah. the Iceman. He can talk methodical. As yep. he, you know, he, he can be a methodical wrestler. He can talk methodical, and I buy it. And even if that was a problem, you compare him up with a manager. You had Orn Anderson retiring in, you know, in 1997, I think it were. He were it 97, 98. You can correct me on that one. I think it was 97. I think. Yeah, but he could have been the perfect manager. I know that Dean Lane Cole becomes a part of the Horseman. I know that. I, I've seen the pictures. Orn Anderson. Being the mouthpiece for Dean Wenko as he pursues a w, um, WCW title, I buy it. Yeah. And if you, and again, if you really want to talk about Mike Skills, Chris Benoit couldn't fucking cut a promo, became WCW champion. If mm-hmm. only for one night, he became WCW champion. I can't help but feel that if Dean Wenko didn't go over to WWE, he would have been in line. Yeah. He would have been in line, and it's just sad that he never got that opportunity. It it really is. But again, promos, they're not the end of the world. You know, you can find your way. Jeff Hardy was one of the most popular wrestlers on the planet when he became WWE champion. Couldn't cut a promo. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't it's not always a factor for me. It's not always a factor. If you can go in the ring and you can get over with the crowd without having to cut a promo, you can get over with the crowd by just your in ring skills alone, then you've done your job for me. And Dean Malenko, fucking hell, he could get over with the crowd just on his wrestling alone. You can't convince me otherwise. Massive missed opportunity for me. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree completely. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's just incredibly sad that, that people don't know his name. I mean, he didn't even have to be a world champion to get that push into the spotlight yeah, that he should have exactly. got. Um, I think he's happy you know, with the way his career went because he's still held in fucking ridiculously high regard. And honestly, if he if he's you know, if he's if he's thirty two years old in twenty twenty one, he's a world champion. Yeah, hundred percent. Like it, yeah. it's a diff- it's a different game now as well. Like um, he, here's one thing as well that goes back to what I was saying about him being one of the most un- underrated wrestlers of all time, well renowned but also underrated. That should mm. never be a fucking problem, but it is with him because like like I said, it's never a discussion. But to further my point, Daniel Bryan a few years ago revealed in his book that Dean Malenko was his favorite wrestler when he was growing up, and people were like, huh, really? <sighs> I remember those. Remember people on Facebook, on Twitter, you know, in interviews, like other wrestlers in interviews, saying, "Really? When the likes of Eddie Guerrero, like, oh, have you seen on. Dean Malenko work? Have you seen him <laughs> wrestle? Have you watched Daniel Bryan wrestle? Of course, he was fucking inspired by Dean Malenko. Yeah, he utilizes a lot of the same, you know, the same like mat skills and at times methodical. Like D- Daniel Bryan in his heel Ring of Honor uh, run." Dean Malenko. Dean yeah. fucking Malenko. Yeah. Methodical. Cut down all the high-flying high skills. They relied on his methodical and his power-based skills, his map pay skills, his mat skills, his fucking, you know, his intense promos. Hmm. You know, he, he was Dean Malenko at that point. You can tell that he was inspired by him. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, for, to, to further your point, Dean Malenko in 2021, world champion, 100%. You can't deny a talent like that. Not at all. You know, if he went to Japan in in the nineties, you know, in the, in the late nineties, if he went to New Japan instead of WWE, I I would buy him as a New Japan Pro Wrestling, you know, sorry, IWGP Heavyweight Champion. Even though heavyweights weren't really champions at that time, 
Yeah, uh, sorry, uh, light heavyweights. Anybody that wasn't a heavyweight wouldn't have been a champion at that time, should I say. Um, I knew what I was trying to say. He could have been that person that would be like, you know what, you know, come in, show you. It, it just would have been undeniable for me. It would have been undeniable. Again, it's just real shame. And going back to what you were saying, how he didn't really do anything in WWE. He had good matches. I mean, there's a fucking absolute bone burner match that he had with Scotty Too Hotty, of all people. Yeah, you, you've got to watch that match. Fucking really, really good match. I, I watched it the other day, you know, because I was just like on a Dean Malenko train, and I'm like, I want to be proven wrong about Dean Malenko. Like, how, I, I want to prove WWE wrong, and I, I just saw this match, and it's just so fucking good. Like, you know, it might he might not have done anything in WWE, you know, he might have just been a light heavyweight champion and that was pretty much it, you know, when the light heavyweight championship meant fuck all, but, you know, I had this perception that Dean Malenko was just a nothing wrestler, he was just a guy that looked like Barry from EastEnders in WWE, you know, that, <laughs> that's what I got, I've become such a fucking mark for the guy, like, you know, I said to you today, there's two matches that I want to really talk about, you know, and Dean Malenko is one of them, of fucking course, yeah. he's like, he's in my top 10, He's in my yep. top 10 wrestlers of all time. That's the impact he had. He, that he, he has had. Fucking hell. If I'm, if I'm this guest on, uh, you know, an hour in, how am I going to be like at the end of the night? <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, let's find out. And also, just to clarify as well, last week, the person that Brian wanted to talk about was Dean Malenko. So that says a lot. It's two weeks in a row. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean... If you miss Dean Malenko, and there are there are listeners to this of this podcast that are, are of a, a relatively younger generation than we are, um, you've missed a hell of a lot when it comes to Dean Malenko. And to be honest, we're talking about fresh eyes at the beginning of the podcast. Um, this is a this is a perfect example of how you guys can go back and you can watch somebody like that and be inspired and be in awe of of somebody that that you know other people should have put in a better place than what he ended up. You can't say if he was here in 2021 at 32 years old, he would be a world champion. You don't throw that around lightly. You know, you don't fucking say that about everybody. In fact, there's very few people I could fucking name that you'd say that about. Uh, And I'd still overlook Rey Mysterio, uh, and somehow he managed it. So there you go. Um, But yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you say he managed it, but it was just basically, it was a token heavyweight championship, and they made him look. He is by far the worst, not WWE, world heavyweight champion of all time in WWE, by far the worst, and it's nothing that he did, it was just the way WWE tried him, he just yeah. jobbed out on TV, every fucking week, yeah. every week he jobbed out, and then when it became to pay-per-views, he was just beaten down, mercilessly, you know, and then, you know, he just got a hot spot and won, like, they just made him look so fucking weak, like, and, it was marketable uh, though, their masks just fucking flew off the shelves mar- all the time. Mar- marketable, but WWE just never really took advantage of that. Like, mm. this guy could have done a hell of a lot more than be fucking jobbed out like that, mm. you know? Mm. You know what you should have done, WWE? You should have just gone all in and gave that talking championship to Charvo. And I know you never fought Charvo, much of Charvo. You had him in a fucking, um, I-, I can't remember what it were. It was a chicken suit. That was a mascot for fucking Jack Swagger. You had Chavo oh. Guerrero do that. But that guy could fucking wrestle. He could wrestle. He was one of the better wrestlers in that company at that time. You could have yeah. gave it to him and it would have worked. It would have worked. Nobody would have kicked up a fuss. Nobody would have kicked up a fuss at that. He's, you know, he's had his nephew. You know, you want a feel good story? There's your feel good story. Chavo Guerrero. Uh, he, he beats all the odds he becomes world champion even though we know why 
He beats he beats all the odds. He could have held it for a month. We would have been happy, and it would have done. It would have been a lot better than making Rey Mysterio look weak for the sake of looking weak, and a guy that wasn't really that close to Eddie. You know, as much as what WWE have really portrayed that they weren't as close as what they say they were. They were. You know, they were friends. They loved each other and all that. They, they were like family, but they weren't close. They weren't really, mm. really close. You know, and that's really sad. And I didn't even learned this, learned this recently, but yeah, they weren't really close. You really pushed the wrong person. If that was how you were going to do it, you really pushed the wrong person for me. Yeah. You, I'd rather Spe- you just didn't push anybody, you know. Yeah. Speaking of Chavo Guerrero, there is one that we get to look forward to in WCW. He will actually appear on next the next episode uh, of WCW. Oh, really? Nitro. Yes. He makes his natural debut on July 22nd, 1996, which, of course, will drop in two weeks' time. Um, on the Nitrogen podcast. So, looking forward to that. Uh, would oh, you like to have your faces? Dean Malenko? Dean Malenko. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> so, we get another Brian Brian Talks crap takeover on the Nitrogen podcast for the Dean Malenko versus Charbo Guerrero Jr. match uh, on Jesus. the next episode of the Nitrogen podcast. Jesus Christ has had a preemptive orgasm there. <laughs> <laughs> Are you okay to continue with this Demon Lego versus Billy Kidman from WCW Nitro? Yes. Good. Yes. Good stuff. Right. Uh, I hope my finger cracking actually was picked up on the mic, though. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, as Malenko is making his entrance, Jimmy Hart is talking to, me, talking to him. We don't really know why he's talking to him at this point. Yeah. Uh, Malenko just gestures him to bugger off, basically. It, it's nothing, <laughs> but it comes back into it later on in the show. But, yeah. Straight off the bat, there's no fucking flies on Malenko at all as he almost decapitates poor Billy Kidman with a lariat to start the match. Just <laughs> like, you, you know the tone here. You know, it's uh, Malenko is just going to beat the living shit out of Billy Kidman and he yep. fucking does. There's a beautiful drop kick from Kidman over the top rope. That's Malenko going over the top rope, should I say. I missed that in the notes. Outside, Malenko goes for a powerbomb, but Kidman reverses it, which is a good thing because I think Malenko is dead set on killing him at that, and that might have done it. <laughs> There's a missile dropkick for two by Kidman, then a German suplex, but Malenko cuts his momentum with a vicious powerbomb and works Kidman's leg with holds, knee drops and stomps. Electric chair, uh, electric chair drop is uh, reversed into a victory roll by Kidman, but he gets trapped into a standing toe hold. Malenko attempts to fist the leg, but misses and hits the mat for a second week in a row. So at this point, <laughs> just stop, Dean, please. Yeah. I'm really worried about you hurting your arm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's smashing your fist apart. It's maybe next week. Malenko firmly in control, as Tony says he doesn't trust Larry. To which Larry remarks, I don't trust me either. Blatantly saying, <laughs> I'm a heel. Like, you... What kind of character is that? I'm a heel. Like you, know, a heel isn't supposed to fucking outrightly say that. I know he doesn't <laughs> outrightly say that, but he he pretty much is by just saying I don't trust me either. Yeah. Not not many commentary lines to really pick out tonight, unfortunately. But that one. No, I made, found that myself. Yeah. But that one did make me chuckle. Yeah. There's more work another leg with stomps and a chop block. Kidman attempts rallies but gets cut off each time. Malenko catches Kidman into a powerbomb and follows through with a Norman, Light- Norman Lights pin, but Kidman kicks out. Kidman finally gets a rally in and knocks Malenko down. He goes to the shooting star press, but Malenko moves and he eats the mat. Tony calls it a backwards somersault, which really fucking annoyed me. It really did. <laughs> I, w- I would shout at the screen, Motherfucker, it's a shooting star press. Mm-hmm. You know. Remember when I said Malenko is dead set on killing, uh, killing Kidman, Mark? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, 
He lets out all his frustration with a brain buster right onto Kid- Kidman's neck. Then a powerbomb. Then a butterfly powerbomb. And then a Texas club leap in quick succession. All looking really nasty. And Kidman has no choice but to submit. Jesus fucking Christ. He unleashed the fucking rage there, didn't he? Yeah. This was like the mountain and the viper in uh, Game of Thrones. It was just like... <laughs> I just half expected him to fucking put his thumb in his eyes and, you know... I raped them. I killed your ch- children, and I smashed the fucking head in like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As uh, a as a slight peek behind the curtain, as Brian likes to say, uh, as I was taking my notes for this tonight, Brian <laughs> didn't tell me which matches because obviously, again, I've not seen the card. Uh, Brian didn't tell me which matches he wanted to take over and do the uh, do the uh, descriptions for. And when I saw the finish of this match, I texted him back and I said, "Fuck me, Pooh Kidman." <laughs> <laughs> Man, them final four moves were just like... Well, I'll say final five, because obviously the shooting star press is what causes it. And it's near perfect. (laughs) He does miss it, but it's near perfect. And uh, man, fucking hell, I would not like to be Billy Kidman after this one. We say quick succession as well. I say quick succession. I'm like 10 seconds it took for him to do all four of those fucking moves. And I'm not joking. Go on the network, go on Peacock, find this fucking... A rip of this episode, episode 44. Uh, it's 15th of July, 1996. If you want the date code, is it? Yep, it is. 15th of July. Man, fuck it. Just check our just, Instagram. Just check our Instagram. We'll put it up on there. It's yeah. literally like 10 seconds here. Oh, my God. He fucking brutalises Kidman. But you know what? That would have done Kidman a lot of fucking favours going forward. Because, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, because he just fucking took it. You know he yep. earned Malenko's respect from that. You know this is Malenko. I've got to really channel that rage, and mm-hmm. holy shit, he channels that rage. A really good but fucking intense match. Poor Kidman. Poor Kidman. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all I can say. I feel uh, like this is that's going to be the title of this episode. Poor, poor Kidman. Kidman. You go on IMDb. <laughs> hey, that, that's the, t- the official title of this uh, of this uh, this episode. Yeah, so it should be. Um, he just he took a lot of punishment, and Malenko obviously it made Malenko look really good, and it also made him kind of like heel turn a little bit. Yeah. So obviously the white meat of, of Billy Kidman, um, the, the the greenery if you like, but he managed to get off that shooting star press, and I think that might have impressed a few people uh, up there in WCW HQ. So yeah. that's the reason why I'll be sticking around the WCW for well until it until its demise. Also. This might be the first and the last time that what five foot eight, uh, I, I'm, I'm guessing Dean Lenko has ever been or will ever be compared to the fucking mountain from Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that were off the cuff. I didn't even have that written down, but that's literally that's all I could think of was that's just how that how brutal that finish was. Yeah, yeah. Poor Kidman. <laughs> what, what would you rate it as a match, though? It's a cruiserweight match, and, and we're interested because it, you, it, you're doing the uh, the descriptions and the synopsis for it. It's interesting to get your ratings on it as well. Yeah, because it was short, and it was literally just Dean Malenko bully, bullying a poor kid. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was still entertaining. It was a three-star match. Like, you know, it wasn't bad. It wasn't great. It was just a nice pocket of a match. Mm. Like, it just one that you could fit in your pocket, you know, 
Um, that's a really weird analysis, to be honest with you, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going with it. You know, just a nice short match. Yeah. And made you feel sorry for Kidman. As we keep saying, poor Kidman. <laughs> Five minutes and 13 were given to that match. And up next, we're going to see um, Gene at the entranceway again with Kevin Green, who's taking time out from the football season and says he's disappointed at Hollywood Hulk Hogan. It's Gene that said that. Um, Green says that he was he was a Hulkamaniac. He did all the say prayers, eat your vitamins, uh, and he became an NFL superstar because of that. But even Hogan wasn't believing in the things that he was saying. He then goes on and proceeds to call out Steve Mongo McMichael because obviously they've got a lot of beef. But he's play he's got a plane to catch. So if he's not there in the next few minutes, then he's just going to clear off and and go and catch this plane, which leaves in a couple of hours. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, there is one thing I have to bring up with this because Gene says Hogan must be, uh, must have been your hero when you were a kid Kevin Green agrees with that Yeah, There's nine years between the two people nine years between Kevin Green and Hulk Hogan that's not that yeah that's that's a bit that's a bit bizarre yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know yeah that's, that's, that's a bit I've got to be honest like I, I've always found this weird because you know, Sting and Hulk Hogan aren't like too dissimilar in age. I'm sure it's only like two or three years. Yeah, something like that. And it's like Sting was like, "Oh yeah, I'd seen Hulk Hogan on TV, you know, as a wrestler and everything like that." So it just goes to show that like some some people get into it very early and some people get into it very late, don't they? But the fact of the matter is, like like you said, yeah, nah, nah, that's it's when mental. he was a kid. It's the fact that you said when you were a kid. There's nine yeah. years between the two people. Like yeah. When 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 Kevin Green was ten years old, Hulk Hogan was fucking nineteen, and not Hulk Hogan at that point. Yeah, it's. I mean, what would it be? What 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 would it have been at that point, Hulk Hogan? In nineteen ninety six. No, 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 no. I mean, I mean, uh, so think I'm, I, the figure. What I'm trying to get at is what when Green's at that stage. Let's say, I don't know. So he's like, so I say he's 15, 16, he's going through college and stuff like that. Because he was saying, like, and it made me into a, an NFL superstar or whatever he says. Um, just just before then, like, where is Hogan? Because I yeah. don't know when Hogan started, when, when his career started. I don't know, like, how far back it spans, to be honest. Well, I'm, uh, I'm looking at It's definitely in the 80s. I know that yeah, for a I, fact. I'm, but. I'm looking. Wait, well, he had his, his big, uh, big start in WWE. In 1983, if I remember, right, so he was at WrestleMania one. WrestleMania one was in 1983, and he was champion at that point. According yeah. to this, he started in 1997. So, oh, there you go. Yeah, the the math doesn't add up to call Kevin Green uh, a fan of Hogan when he was a kid. That yeah. that's that's hundred percent sure at this point. Yeah. Well, it's not the only continuity fail we're going to see on WCW Nitro. I'll point <laughs> it. I've got a couple of them uh, later on. And just as an FYI, it, in 2021, it takes 26 minutes to get from uh, the Disney Studios to Orlando Airport. So if his, if his plane's leaving in a couple of hours, um, he better get his fucking skates on. Next up, WCW World Tag Team titles are on the line. It's Rough and Ready. Here are Dick Slater and Mike Enos coming to the ring with Colonel Robert Parker versus Harlem Heat, Booker T and Stevie Ray, who were accompanied to the ring by Sister Sherry, and are also the WCW World Tag Team t- uh, title holders, aka champions. Yeah. So this is an um, angle match. Yeah. So that's um, just... Before we start, do you want to hear my new name for 
uh, rough and ready. There's a new name, even though they're a new team. I'm game for this. Let's go. Right. Well, you look at you look at. I think it's Marquinhos. Marquinhos, sorry. Yeah. And he's got like a short military type haircut. And then yeah, you look at yeah. Dick Slater, and he's got long curly hair. You know, uh, mm. Dick Slater is fairly overweight. Marquinhos is in pretty good shape. He's got a bit of a belly, but he's in pretty good shape. They're wearing black sleeveless vests and black trousers. All I could think of was Steve Austin and Brian Pillman. Yeah. Except, like, pound shop, Steve Austin and Brian Pillman. <laughs> I gave them the nickname, the new team name, the Hollywood Blobs. <laughs> I like it. Go and look up Rough and Ready. They're seriously budget. Like, fucking uh, fake Diesel and fake Razor Ramon in WWE. That's these two. Like, oh, yeah. Fucking fake Brian Pillman and fake Steve Austin. They both left. <laughs> so we got the Hollywood blobs. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I mean, when I saw these guys coming out, I was like, who the fuck is this? And I've got to say as well, Dick Slater came up quite a lot in one of the previous episodes of... Um, God... I don't think it rated three weeks. Uh, one of Conrad's um, podcasts, anyway. And they were like saying he's like Loki, you know. Uh, it might have, it might have been JR's podcast actually. That um, he's just sort of like, no, sorry, it was Owen. It was Owen's. And uh, yeah, they were saying that he, he just doesn't get the respect that he deserves and everything like that. I don't know enough about Dick Slater. I'm sure that you know, once upon a time, he, he might have been fucking brilliant, but I don't know. I just know at this point, um, he's not good. Not looking good. No, no. Uh, pound shop. <laughs> Pound Shop Hollywood Blobs. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> pound, um, shop, pound Shop Hollywood Blondes, the Hollywood Blobs. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you're starting this off thinking that this is this is an angle match rather than anything else, even though it's yeah, yeah. WCW World Tag Team title match. Sherry and Parker, you know, the camera keeps cutting to them and then cutting back, and there's a one point where Parker's just like, get the camera away from me sort of thing. Um, lots of fireworks for Harlem Heat, who are obviously getting a good push at this moment in time, which is good to see. And a good portion of this match is spent showcasing Stevie's strength with rest holds uh, and a dodgy-looking clothesline as well, which I think happened to Dick Slater. Booker in with a slick wheel kick instantly, as soon as he gets through the ropes, and uh, one of the lads has been sent off into the ropes by Stevie Ray. Enos with a scoop slam on the concrete this week. It's called concrete. It's not asphalt. They're not having an argument about it. The commentary They've decided, yeah, uh, but doesn't it doesn't phase Booker who back in the ring who just he just gets up and he gets the upper hand uh, and a couple of pins as well, a pin attempts at two co- uh, two counts and a one count. It breaks down and everybody ends up in the ring. This got really fucking confusing very quickly, Brian. Uh, yep. <laughs> and I don't think I don't think my description is going to help. It breaks down and everybody ends up in the ring. Uh, Enos and Slater tag in and out. Booker just walks in, tagging Stevie on the stomach. The referee sees it and blatantly just allows it to happen. Yes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you I can't saw that. Tag somebody when you're in the ring. Yep, I saw it. And you've got to tag <laughs> hands as well. Unless, yeah. You, well, you say you can you can tag the back as well. Yeah. But if if you're face to face, you tag the hands. If you if if got um if your opponent's uh, your your partner your partner's got your back to you, they're back to you. Slap them on the back. That's acceptable. A slap on the fucking belly. I mean, in the that? ring. <laughs> and in the ring. Like, go on, son. Oh, yep. That's a tag. <laughs> yeah, and the referee's just like, yeah, it's a tag. Get in here, Booker. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, time constraints. We, I, I kind of thought, well, if it ends now, I understand. They've been told to wrap it up. Right, yeah, he's letting it go. TV time and everything like that. Anyway, it turns out that this isn't the end. Uh, it all goes off when Parker hits the apron, 
to distract the referee. Sherry kisses Dick Slater, like proper <laughs> lip locks him. Right, you said uh, Sherry kisses Dick Slater. I just left it as Sherry kisses Dick. Oh, I knew it. I knew. I knew you were going that direction. I just knew it. <laughs> For God's sake! I'm surprised so, you didn't put, do that. You know what? I actually missed it. I'm. I'm. I'm losing my touch. Um. Anyway, Dick Slater had the pin. Uh, he he'd covered one of Harlem Heat. I don't know who the fuck it was. He descended into fucking madness. Uh, Sherry locks on the lip lock. Pretty sure the referee sees this anyway, and somehow a kiss from Sherry knocks you out to the point where you get pinned. Winner in this one, Harlem Heat via, via Clusterfuck. <laughs> Again, <laughs> the Clusterfuck is doing it in this one, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, 7 minutes and 39 seconds. What a fucking, just yes. unnecessarily convoluted finish. Yeah. and I mean, you knew that it wasn't going to go down really well when all the first thing you see is fucking... Colonel Parker in Rough and Ready's corner. Yeah. Like, a couple of weeks ago, he was managing Harlem Heat. What yeah. fucking change? And then he, he actually did assist Harlem Heat's win. And then acting yeah. like he didn't do anything. And he's cussing yeah. fucking Dick uh, and uh, Enos out in the ring. Like they did, did wrong. You distracted the ref. You knew what was going to happen. You distracted the ref so your wife could fucking kiss Dick. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Right you, can, <laughs> right, you can literally tell on this podcast which one of us has a girlfriend and which one of us doesn't one of us losing <laughs> the touch and one of us just making all these euphemisms <laughs> guess is good uh, you know you can guess you already know but you can guess mate that that normally that does not matter but today i have just completely missed it and kudos to you for fucking picking up my slack uh yeah that that i don't know now this i've got to say this storyline because it's pissing me off so much, and for the past fucking two weeks, like stupid shits happened. I want to know what happens at the end. Like it's got me hooked, but in a completely different way to what normal storylines usually do. Morbid curiosity, basically. Yes, that's the perfect way to describe it. Um, I don't know what to say about it other yeah, than ba- basically you're watching this match, like you want, like you sat in a car on the, um, you know, in traffic. Part, uh, parts at red lights and you just look over and you see a guy fucking picking his nose and you're just seeing how long he can fucking do it it's just like you don't want to watch <laughs> but you're like right is he going to pull out a big fucking booger out there you know is he going to eat it you know that's that more kind of morbid curiosity you don't want okay. it you really really don't want it but you just can't fucking help but be fixated on it i'm exactly the same with you on this one mate i, I really need to know what happens here yeah you, you've got me you ain't got my money but you've got my eyes <laughs> so yeah it's one of them storylines basically this Harlem Heat thing is, is that I have to see what happens even though I'm not enjoying it whatsoever uh, next up Rey Mysterio's very own video package this is the only other time we see anything from Bash at the Beach uh, and it's there's some insane stuff in this as well uh, really putting over Rey and then we go back to Kevin Green who's just randomly taking his shirt off for no reason he's supposed to be catching a flight in like an hour but yeah he's just stripping yeah I, I, just, keeps... I, I find it funny he says I need Mongo now and then he says, I can wait until February. <laughs> so you've got, this, top off. You've got this shirtless now. man saying, I need Mongo now. And then abruptly saying, well, I can wait until February. Mm-hmm. Like mixed signals. No wonder fucking Mongo turned on you. Yeah, fucking right. <laughs> <laughs> fucking deserved it. Issues, man. Um, he keeps mentioning this t- training camp as well. Uh, but he's got to go. 
uh, and hopefully he's going to preferably learn how to cut a promo without stuttering like a motherfucker. Next up, we're going to see uh, a, a singles match between two of the ladies in WCW. Uh, at this point, Medusa was getting very frustrated at the fact that she wasn't being used at all. You know, she did that one thing, and that was it. Uh, we all know what it is. So she's going to face off against Malia Hosaka. We don't get any entrances in this one whatsoever. We start off with a suplex from Medusa, a knife-edge chop to the boobies, and a whip to the corner. But fuck me, what a superb kick out from the from Hosaka in the corner. Sold superbly. I don't think Medusa knew quite a lot about this fucking kick, to be honest. I think it just hit her in the face. And she's down on the mat. That was fucking... That was nifty. Yeah. But unfortunately, that was pretty much the only good thing about this match. Hosaka's on... Oh dear, I put Hosaka on top, and when it's two females, you don't want to be saying that. <laughs> if somewhat sloppily, oh dear. And then uses the... <laughs> yeah, oh no. Uh, he then uses... Uh, sorry, she use, uses the her for a good minute for stretches of the neck uh, and for a couple of snap mirrors as well. Or snap hers, as I coined. Hey. Big kicks from Medusa get her the advantage as USA chants are attempted in the crowd. Uh, she then uses the her to get a pop from the comeback... But Hosaka is back on with a, a couple of strikes in a lion tamer attempt, even though Zabisco just calls it a, a standard crab and that she needs to sit down. Denton. Denton? Attempt. Senton. Oh, a senton. Okay, so um, Hosaka attempts some sort of uh, forward senton, was it? And then Medusa attempts a back senton. Both of them miss it. Uh, there's a second rope crossbody attempt from Hosaka, which is also missed. Uh, Medusa gets a German on, and it's counted, even though the foot was on the ropes. I'm sorry, I'm really, I'm really fucking this up now because there's a lot of spelling mistakes in it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, she's been rolled up. And the feet are clearly in the ropes. The referee counts it anyway because the countdown has started to hour two, even though they had easily ten seconds to redo this ending. Yeah. Um, I think they really, f- they really fluff this one up, and I, I kind of expect a little bit more from Medusa, given you know she's, she's yeah. very experienced. Here's the thing, it's like, Hosaka, she's a former NWA Women's Champion. You know? Oh, I didn't know this. Yeah, so she's actually got credentials, and you actually see in this match that she's actually a really good wrestler. So like, there's nothing that really that she does wrong. Like, every move yeah. every move actually looks impactful. She applies the martial arts and everything. I was more impressed from her than I was from Medusa in this match. Yeah. Medusa, this... Big signing from WWE. You had drop the the women's champion WWE women's championship into a bin, and you make her look weak on TV mm-hmm. in one of your very few outings so far. It's like whoever booked this, and I know Hasaki, you've got to make her look strong, but you could have made Medusa look stronger. Like Medusa mm. using, you know, um, utilizing. Uh, her poles and using using her whips and, and shit like that. It's like no, Medusa's better than that. Yeah, I know definitely. she's a heel, but she can do more than that. Whoever put this match together should be a fucking shamed. I was actually really annoyed by that. Like I was really impressed by Hosaka, but Medusa just left a lot to be desired, and I know she can be a lot better than this. Yeah, I mean, I've got, a, I've kind of got a. Got to mention that the wrestlers themselves have a lot to do with what happens in the ring as well, don't they? So if all this hair pulling is happening, they're probably thinking, I don't know. That, that, it doesn't help. No, I completely agree with you in, in that in that respect. I'd have to know what was going on. Was 
Most of like, you know, I'm the former NWA Women's Champion, so you've got to make me look stronger than you. Like, yeah. you're only here for the night, love. You yeah, know, you, I mean, I, 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 I have to I, mention. I could, I could buy that, considering that I did a little bit of research on her because I had to know who she is, because yeah. like, I was so impressed by her. That's when I found out. So, former NWA Women's Champion. It's like, uh, th- there was an article from, I think it was 411 Mania, that she had been interviewed about... Uh, uh, having like tryouts with WWE and what she was being told, and this is in the mid nineties. Uh, then basically saying to her that why should why should anybody care about women's wrestling when it's all about the men and yada yada yada, which could could be true, but it could also be false. But it just comes across that she has a little bit of an attitude. So hmm. I I could totally buy the idea that she was one that had more say in this match. Than yeah, yeah, uh, I would agree with that. Uh, I'm just going to mention here as well. Uh, I've just got Medusa's uh, match history up, so particularly WCW, obviously, and she wrestles like less than once a month. Um, January 29th, 1996, Nitro, which recovered, which was Sister Sherry, uh, uncensored 96 against Colonel Robert Parker. Then she faced off against Colonel Robert Parker again a couple of weeks later on Saturday night. She faced off against Debbie Coombs on Saturday night in June. Uh, she obviously faced off against Malia Hosaka in this episode. And going forward, you know, we're not going to see her for another month. Uh, it's just bizarre, like, you bring somebody in and, and spend all that money and, and you just don't, like, you don't do anything with her at all. It's just fucking mind-boggling, really yeah. mind-boggling. Yeah, really Of course, there's more, there's more to come. There's, there's even the... Uh, you know the WCW Women's Championship, which I didn't even know existed. So there you go. That's that's all to come. <laughs> I'm actually just looking, hey, I'm actually looking into a bit of uh, Malia Hosaka as well here. Um, there's some quite interesting things. She shares my birthday, so there's that. So Bonus. I, I, I can wish you a happy 50, uh, 52nd birthday this year if you want. But <laughs> you know she's actually had a fairly decent career. Right, she's been um, in the Ladies Professional Wrestling Association, which is like that. I, I knew that was quite a big deal back in in, in like the late eighties, early nineties. Um, uh, she wrestled for ECW before it was Extreme; it was Eastern, Eastern, and she substituted for Medusa at November to re- November to re- Remember in nineteen ninety three and wrestled against Sherry Martel. Oh. So there's quite interesting things like that. She obviously uh, she had ten years with WCW. Um, she's actually got a fair few matches in WCW coming up. It's like she's right. She's with WCW up until 1999. So we might yeah. see her again on Nitro. She wrestled in WWF for, in 1999. She also happened to be she happened to be. Oh wait a minute. Going back to that. Uh, I just saw something here. It was highlighted, so you could you could tell what I searched up on Wikipedia because Dean Malenko was highlighted in purple. <laughs> uh, it says here that she wrestled Ivory on Raw for the WF Women's Championship. There is a match I really want to see. Really? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Because I really fucking love Ivory. Brilliant wrestler. Yeah. She aco- uh, accompanied Takamichi no- uh, Takamichi to the ring in his challenge for Dean Malenko's WF Light Heavyweight Championship, and I remember him having a valet. I remember having a valet at that point, so that was her. So that's interesting for me. 
She was kept under contract for a year in WWF, and uh, shortly before her contract expired, they considered bringing her back to the main uh, roster under the name Aphrodisia, and Perner was soon to be debuting SA Rios. Wow. Instead, that went to Lita, and that was the right decision. Sorry, it was. She wrestled in TNA. (laughs) Fucking hell. Yeah. Um, She had a match against Trinity. Mm. So, there you go. <laughs> it seems to, that's the only thing that's on note, though. Nothing else. And then she went on to the independent circuit, and this is where it gets really interesting, because in 2005, she appeared at Wrestle Reunion in an eight-woman tag team match, teaming with Wendy Richer, Bambi, and Jenny Taylor, who I don't know, against Sherry Mortel, Peggy Lee, uh, Peggy Lee Leifer, sorry, Peggy Lee Leifer, Peggy Lee Lever, Chrissy Vane and Amber O'Neill. Holy shit, there's some big names in that. Really big yeah. names. Um, yeah, she wrestled for Shimmer, so that's a pretty big thing. Yeah. And she did that up until 2012 when she retired. So, oh, and then she would... <laughs> fucking hell, there's more information as I go further down. However, Hasaka would return to the ring the following year for two matches for Shine. Yeah. And she became Shine Tag Team Champion with Brandy Wine, who I don't know. Um, she's also still wrestling to this day, just so you know. But there's no more information from there about uh, after that. But uh, right, okay. So uh, uh, for I, as reliable, I, I, I as... will say one thing. Oh, and and she had she won the Women's Wrestling Award 2015 for the Cauliflower Alley Club, which is a pretty big organization. So. You know, uh, yeah, so there's that accomplishment going for her. But yeah, she's had a fairly illustrious career, really. For somebody yeah. I didn't really know of before this. Like, you know, she's she's somebody that I really want to check out a little bit more of. Yeah, well, by the looks of it, uh, for as reliable as ProFightDB.com can be, which is usually the place that I go to for, for checking who fought who and how long ago, yeah. um, her last match was on March 6th, 2021. Um it wasn't too long ago that she fought. Uh, I've just lost it now. <laughs> We're both bumbling S- through this bit. <laughs> yeah, uh, December 16, 2016, she fought Priscilla Kelly, who has obviously been in WWE and AEW. Well, she's, um, she's actually signed to WWE now. Yeah. Uh, Alice Crowley, uh, Becky Idol, Thunder Kitty, Amazing Maria. Yeah, she's she's still going. It just seems it's it's rather sporadic now. She's gone from September to February to March, and obviously there's not been any March, uh, not been any matches since. But yeah, um, it looks like she's still going. Fair fucking fair fucks to her. Yeah, and I oh, missed fair. out. I missed out an important detail as well. She was actually trained by Kelly Kowalski. Hmm. Yeah, who happens Bloody to train hell. Triple H. So yeah, you know, I mean, you can see why she's actually got these tangibles. Like, Triple H has the tangibles. I know a lot of people aren't really big on his wrestling to say that he's quite quite boring. He's got very few moves and all that. But they're effective moves. And I also disagree with that analysis. I think Triple H is a very entertaining wrestler. I always have thought that. Big fucking ego, of course. But he puts on good matches. He always has. And, yeah, I mean, we saw this one match from uh, Malia Hasaka. And it was a really good... from From her side, she did really good. Yeah, fingers crossed that um, she's going to appear more on WCW Nitro. We, oh, we, fucking hell! Crossed. 
Uh, I've just come across her Twitter. She's actually her, her Twitter handle is Modern Day Moolah. Now that's one person you don't want to be the modern day. <laughs> Fucking hell. That can't. Oh dear. Can, that can't be a real a real Twitter account. Apparently it is. Wow. Well, she's lost in this one. It's Medusa who wins it via pinfall in four minutes and seven seconds. Fucking hell, bio. If you're a fan of professional wrestling and you don't know, try Google because you should know. (laughs) Yeah, apparently it's a real account. And going back to what I was saying, attitude, there you go. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, the the, the finish of this has happened during the, uh, the clip art dynamite stick that's counting down. And as I said, you know, they had... They had at least 10 seconds to rework a finish where she wasn't wrapped up in the ropes and the referee wasn't just playing blind in plain, plain sight there, Brian. Yep, again. Uh, yeah, again. The fireworks go off this week, which makes a change, actually, because last week they didn't, uh, for the second hour, and we take a break instantaneously. We cut back to Bobby the Brain Heenan and Eric Bischoff, who were bright, wearing bright fucking orange, and I had to ask Brian, given we were talking about TVs and you have a brand spanking new 4K TV, how the fuck did that look? It popped out red rather than orange on my TV. <laughs> <laughs> is it not migraine inducing because fuck me on this VHS rip it was not good it hurt my eyes yeah <laughs> but I, I, I took one look at Tony Schiavone and I just thought to myself Roy McGrath isn't looking well oh fucking Roy. golf golf uniforms are wearing here <laughs> well we cut up to the uh, signage actually which is uh, obviously the WCW letters, but there's, yeah, there's sheets on them. Right, we didn't talk about this last week. Is fucking WCW really maximised this arena, didn't they? I mean, it's it's it's. I say arena, it's not an arena, but it, no. you got that you got that building there. Like it's a quite nice looking building, not really tall, but a nice little building. But just that space where where they're actually putting. Um, little bits and bobs, you know, the branding and all that. They really maximised it. The WCW letters across the top of the building. That's a really nice touch. Yeah. And it really plays into the NWR here. It does, yeah. So you will see Hall and Nash putting... They are bed sheets, aren't they? And I, yeah. I love to concoct a story that they've they've been in a hotel, they've stayed in a couple of nights, and they've nicked the bed sheets <laughs> and plastered NWO on three of them. Um, yeah. And they, they're putting they, them over the letters of WCW. They, they nicked all the soap, uh, scratched yeah. the oh, NW, yeah. NWO, and then selling them to fans. Well, that's what's in Nash's fanny pack, as far as I'm concerned. Fuck it, So, yeah, the bedsheets are going over the letters of WCW, and the, the final one is at least literally just going over the O as... Um, as we go into the next match, we we actually see the two of them once <laughs> once the bed sheets over the O, you see them back at the W, and you just see them both with pina coladas, and Hall just turns around and he's just like N W O, and they're just so proud of their work drinking these pina coladas. It's great. It's just so funny. Kind of reminds um, me of the uh, beer on the roof scene from Charles uh, Charles Young Redemption. Mm, it, mm, just very mm. much, very much that vibe. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah. Uh, and and this this continues into the singles match next, which is going to be Meng with Jimmy Hart versus Arn Anderson. Yeah. Uh, Meng starts off this one on the front foot, and Arn gets the advantage, wrapping Meng's foot and knee around the ring post and the apron, respectively. Doesn't matter to Meng though. All that storyline, just uh, storytelling, just goes out the windows. Meng just gets straight back up again, and he's on top as we go to a break, padding out to. 
sorry, padding out and fading back into Hall and Nash up there at the letters again, just sat down chilling. Back from the break, Meng gets the advantage again, and Arn goes to the outside. Jimmy Hart starts to pull, put in some boots, but Arn just no sells them until he realizes that Jimmy Hart is putting the boots in, and then he starts to sell them poorly. Arn goes back to the leg on the apron as Meng is coming out again to attack him, but again, it doesn't matter to Meng. <laughs> Big- <laughs> Meng ain't selling shit. Nah, Meng's hard as fuck. Like, so he's just like, "What are you doing to me? It doesn't matter." Fucking understatement of the year. Meng's hard as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> There's a big, long-posted vertical suplex from Meng for a two-count. Uh, held him up quite quite a while there, especially for somebody who's got a fucking bad knee after everything that Orange done to it, you know, storytelling. Yeah. I should have noted that Barbarian came out halfway through this match, but I completely forgot to. Uh, he gets involved at the end, and Meng gets the win after Barbarian hits Orange while Jimmy's distracting the referee, and a super kick from Meng puts Orange, who said in a vignette before a break... Look at the statistics of the horsemen on Monday nights to sleep. Winner, Meng, via fall in 10 minutes and 58 seconds given uh, to this one. So quite a bit of time. Dull. Uh, yeah. Very dull match. Mm, yeah, I, I didn't write yeah. anything down about this. Literally. No. I, I just wrote one good suplex. That was it. <laughs> but I'm going to be quite controversial here. And I think like a lot of the old school listeners of ours, maybe Glenn... Uh, would fucking be a little bit annoyed with what, about what, what I'm about to say. Jim Cornette, if he fucking heard this, he would call me motherfucker a thousand times before his head explodes. As, no, I'm okay know. with that. Yeah, I, I'm okay with that. But I'm nothing if I ain't an honest person on this podcast, am I, Mark? You know, I'm brutally no, honest at times. Yeah. I have not been impressed by Arn Anderson through the run of this podcast so far. I really have. Really? Not. Yeah. Um, particularly single matches. Tag team matches, I'm fine with. But his singles matches, I've always found really underwhelming. Now, I know mm. that he's he's had his injuries. So this isn't a knock on him at all. It's not. I'm not knocking him at all. But I know he's had, you know, a couple of years before this, he had a very serious injury, uh, it, like a neck injury, shoulder injury and all that. And I know he's a few months away from surgery. He's just rehabbed it. Um, but it's like every singles match I've seen him so far, They've ranged from either dull to awful, and he's had to have been carried by his opponents. Mm. You know, it's not to say that he, he wasn't a great wrestler, because you you know he is, well, you know he was. And I'm sure if I went back in, into like the archives and just watched some like old NWA, old WCW before this, and, and what have you, I'm sure I'd be really entertained by him. But I think at this point. I think he's best served as a tag team wrestler where you just see flashes of abilities instead of a drawn-out singles matches. Ten-minute ta- uh, ten matches with Meng, you know, it, it, it's just going to bore me to tears. It, it, it gets... Yeah. It, he's, he's just not... He's not right. He's not right. We know he's beat up. We know he's got his personal demons, you know, his personal problems and, and what have you, but I all love him, but it shouldn't be in, in tag team matches for me. It shouldn't be in single matches. It shouldn't be in tight team matches where you can hide his limitations. Hmm. I think he does. I think he works better in tag team matches. Yeah. Definitely. That's why what makes him such a, a good part of the of, Horseman. Of course, of course. Yeah. But I swear, I've seen single matches previously from WWE where he's actually been really, really good. But here, yeah. it's just like he's just constantly going through the motions. And like I say, he's having to be carried by his opponents for a lot of it. And if you're a heel, you shouldn't be being carried. You should be the person carrying. 
as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I imagine if you were face, I'd probably buy into it a little bit more. But as a heel, I just, I don't know. I just, I find myself tuning out. Like last week against Sting. Sting! Against Sting, and it just wasn't a good match. And maybe that was by, you know, there was a purpose to it, you know, because it was selling the angle of the end of the world where their minds weren't in it. But I don't think that's a good enough excuse either because, like, again, it's been a running trend with Arn Anderson. It's just been, repeatedly single matches have just been dull affairs. Yeah. You know, and, it, and I hate having to say that. I really hate And I've, I've held back on this a little bit, you know what I mean? But it's just like this match, it was just kind of like the straw that brought the camels back. Like, 10-minute matches with Meng shouldn't be on TV. It really shouldn't no, be. No, not 10 minutes. No, no not five, at all, five yeah. minutes. Five minutes, we'll be fine. If yeah. you let Meng do all the work, I, I, I'd buy it a little bit, but no, not 10-minute matches. You're just putting Owen Anderson in these awkward situations where he can't deliver. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can see your point. I didn't think of it that way, to be honest, um, and uh, I'm kind of seeing Owen for everything else, but yeah, I, I think... Now that you've mentioned it, I think you're probably right. Is is better matches are best served in tag team matches or faction matches and singles based on the past two weeks alone. They've just been they've been hard to watch, haven't they? Yeah, I've seen numerous um, numerous single matches of his. I think there was one match where uh, that he had that it was actually fairly decent, and that was against Ric Flair. You know when they had mm. their falling out, but yeah, Ric Flair has good matches with everybody. He, yep. he just sells and he'll make anybody look good. He could polish a turd and sell it on eBay for a fucking thousand pound. Like, that's how yeah. good Ric Flair is. Like, you know, and I'm not saying that. I, I know people might misconstrue that and say that I'm calling Iron Anderson a turd. I'm not. What I'm saying is, is that a bad Iron Anderson performance against Ric Flair isn't a bad Iron Anderson performance. It's a good Ric yeah. Flair upon, uh, 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 performance because he will. He will make you look good. Rick Flair just doesn't have bad matches. Like that that's just a fact. He just doesn't have bad matches. Yep. He will sell and make you look like a fucking million bucks. Yeah. So you we can there's an asterisk next to that match. But every other single matches that I've seen, and there's been a handful of them, they've just not been good. They ain't been good. And I hate yeah. I, and I do hate saying that. I love Aaron, I really do. But you know, I, I you've got to be realistic. It, it's beat up, he's got his alcohol issues. You know, he's probably his head's probably not in it all the time, which is understandable if you're going through your personal demons like that and you're in pain. You know, I, I'm just saying like I would just keep him to the tag team matches or keep his ma- single matches very brief or just take him off TV. So just take him, not take him off TV, but take him out of the ring. You've got to make a yeah. call here. Yeah. But, uh, and obviously, he's going to be off TV in a few months when he goes to surgery. Thank God. <laughs> I, you know, I don't want to see the back of him, but I just want him to get his much-needed surgery. Well, hot take from Brian there. Um, it is what it is, but you know what? For, for, for the most part, I agree with it. I do agree with it. Uh, the character of Arn Anderson is is still, you know, he's still cutting the great promos and his yeah. team matches. He is fine, but yeah, he's, he's um, the negatives are are showing in the past two weeks and his singles matches, which is a shame, really. Yeah. Um, especially when you consider that they're, they're borderline. Well, the last one was a main event, and this is what two away, two away from the main event. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, next up, we're going to see uh, Steve Mongo McMichael come out with Deborah. He, he cuts a promo on Kevin Green <laughs> now that Kevin Green's not actually here anymore. He calls the Carolina Panthers expansion pukes. Yeah. Uh, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's very vivid imagery. Ex- 
Buy well, some pukes. Yeah, well, here's, here's even more what, vivid just, imagery. Are, are they just vomiting all across the states? <laughs> like, what weird, weird phrasing. Yeah, this this was a weird one. Deborah didn't do no much better, to be honest. Um, she she, really? she talked fine, but <laughs> right at the end, she says that uh, Green should just go back to Carolina, where all the foreign boys are. And it's like, what? Yeah, foreign boy. What, what's what's this? It's like borderline racist kind of talk sort of thing. What what are you talking about, Deborah? Anyway, she corrects herself. Texans, says, man. She does correct herself and call them foreign boys. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. But Not. It's still really fucking weird. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Bizarre promo. Uh, oh, and by, and by the way, Mongo, Mongo, I'm going to call you out on something here. This has just actually come to my head. Calling the Carolina Panthers expansion pukes when you are in a stable with Rick fucking Fleur, who is from North Carolina. You fucking yeah. idiots. Yeah. You yep. fucking idiot. You and Deborah shitting on the Carolina Panthers. I know Kevin Green is playing for them. Shit on Kevin Green. Don't shit on the Carolina Panthers. Wrestling yeah. psychology here. You should be saying that Car- uh, Kevin Green shouldn't be playing for the Carolina Panthers because this is Fleur County. This is Fleur County, and you don't deserve to be in Fleur County. Get off the TV Damn. and go home, Mongo. <laughs> well played, Brian. There you go. That's that one fucking sorted out. Uh, that's where I sign off because, you know what? I didn't write anything about this next match. All right, so we've got Eddie Guerrero versus Chris Benoit, and you can tell by the tone in my voice that I'm so fucking excited here. Just like, <laughs> this is a fucking treat. <laughs> Straight off, Benoit orders the ref to check Eddie's tights and takes advantage with a cheap shot to start. I mean, absolutely brilliant heel work here from Benoit. Straight away from the start, just... Like, I just like how he attacks Eddie over the referee. The referee is still in his way, and he doesn't catch him whatsoever. It's just absolutely perfect. Absolutely perfect. Yep. Benoit spends the first couple of minutes on top with chops, forearms, boots, and various dirty tactics. Eddie attempts a tilt a well from the rebound, but Benoit, as quick and as flawless like a cat, lands on his feet. And I mean... Chef's kiss, how he lands. And this is like a really fast tilt-a-whirl as well. Just really, really, really fucking impressive. Really impressive. Powerbomb attempt, but Eddie manages to reverse into a head scissor, and Benoit takes a powder. Eddie rallies and hits a flying forearm off the top to Benoit on the outside. Back in the ring, Eddie hits a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker, but Benoit cuts him off as the camera cuts to look for the outsiders. Benoit with a gorilla press, out of all moves, I've never thought Benoit would do, a gorilla press, and locks in a camel clutch. Uh, Camel clutch? A camel clutch. But Eddie fights... (laughs) (laughs) I'm a little bit drunk. But Eddie fights back (laughs) with a side suplex. Benoit cuts him off with with chops and a snap suplex. Benoit goes for the fucking lion tamer now, which is really unbelievable to see retroactively. Eddie manages yeah. to wriggle free as Brain tells Eric that by the time they get to Dakota for Hogwild, you may not have any teeth left by the time you get there. You'll be covered in <laughs> bugs. There's a really, <laughs> really awkward silence from that. Is broken with a brutal powerbomb by Ben Walker too. I have to say these power versus speed cruiserweight matches we have been getting recently have really changed my perspective of the division mark. I mean, just it, it's just such a common matchup right now and I'll live for them. I really do. Yeah. Benoit firmly in control with a backbreaker and gnarly back elbow and a chicken wing before a snappy power slam. Benoit goes up top, but Eddie cuts cuts him off with a superplex. 
The match devolves into chops and forearms, and the two are just beating the living shit out of each other, and I'm just absolutely fucking enthralled by any moments that just devolve into these kind of spots. Just, it's like a wrestled, but they're not really, you know, they're not showing that they're wrestling, they are, but they're just chopping each other to bits, and it's fucking brilliant. Works every time. Yeah. There's a pop-up yeah. powerbomb attempt by Ed, uh, by Benoit, sorry, but Eddie head scissors him over to the top over the top rope. Both manage to get to their feet, and Benoit spills Eddie, but Malenko speeds out and throws Benoit into the ring post, which explains what Hart was in his ear about before. Clearly, he is the plan that they were talking about. Both scramble to their feet slowly, but Eddie just by a fucking frog sir, beats the count and gets the win by count out. Now, I will say something, Mark, here. I would normally be disappointed by a finish like this. But, you know what? This is... It just makes complete sense. It furthers the Benoit Taskmaster storyline, which I don't really care for at this point. But if that's the purpose of the finish, and it, it's done its job, and it's kept Benoit strong while giving Eddie a win to further his own momentum. And I know I glossed over you know, a few things in that match, but... It was just a really good contest. Yet again, just mm. these two mm. just are like... They're like uh, coffee and cream, like jelly and ice cream, or jelly and peanut butter, or, or chocolate and orange in my in my world. They just work every time. <laughs> they really do. And I, yeah. I, I said to you earlier, Mark, that I was going for a lighter percentage beer tonight because I don't want to get knocked out because I'm tired and all that. It's not worked. So <laughs> I think I'm a little bit drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm there myself to be honest it's nearly it's nearly one o'clock in the morning folks and the, the episode will drop today as well um so we are <laughs> we, we have we're at a lack of sleep and obviously we've had a beer as well so this one is a little bit different to all the others but no you did you did a great you did a great job there mr Bradshaw um was a great contest nine minutes and 38 seconds and the wrestling observer gave it three and a half stars i I'd um, agree with that yeah the finish obviously is going to be a big one uh, with Dimalenko coming back out again. Uh, but next up, what we're going to see is we're going to see the WCW World Television title on the line, and this is going to be the main event, so we can get out of your hers and we can toddle off to bed. <laughs> Lex Luger is going to put it up against Big Bubba, who's coming out with Jimmy Hart. Of course, this stems from earlier on in the, the promos where Bubba's saying that Lex should just con- concentrate on him. Uh, I looked down to type that, and then I looked back up, and Lex was already on his back. I don't know what the fuck happened there. <laughs> uh, Bubba went to the top rope, and Lex took his leg. Bubba back on top swiftly. Lex draped over the ropes, looking back slightly to see what Bubba is about to do next. Looked great, because actually, uh, Bubba went and baseball slided, slid, slided, baseball slid under the bottom rope to give Lex a right hand just as he turned back round again. Oh, that, that's um, one of his signature moves. It's always something he's been good at. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. really uh, fucking good. I, I fuck it. I, I'll tell you what, it doesn't really... I guess it doesn't really resonate on the podcast, but I actually do really like Big Bubba. Like, he's not particularly great in WCW here. I mean, he's, he, he is slowly, slowly dropping some weight, you know, but when we first started last year, I mean, he he, he got really rinky-dink for me. Like, he's wearing wearing almost slacks, stri- striped shirt with, uh, with braces, um, and he was not in really good shape at all. He was spilling out of his shirt. I mean, he, he just looked really, really bad. And his wrestling suffered because of it. He is dropping the weight here, and he's slowly getting into to to what I know of him. Like I, I know the, what I know of him is the big boss man 
in WWE. Yeah. Where he's really yeah. trimmed down and he's really vicious and <laughs> he's really vicious as a character as well and he's really fucking entertaining. You know, we, we are getting there with him. He's just sadly been paired up with fucking John Tenter. You know, that, that and that's a shame and it, it could be doing a lot better, I think. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I've got. I mean, I, I've got to say that I enjoyed the character prior to this one more, but he's in better shape now oh, than he yeah, was before. The, I, I will say the character here, fucking George Michael, fucking or Frankie <laughs> goes to Hollywood. It just doesn't work. Yeah, like don't yeah. drop the bloody leather cap, dude, and the leather slacks while yeah, totally. the leather slacks while you're at it. Yeah, you know, I, I I've constantly put fun of his gear here, and it's you know, I, I again, I, I love the guy, but. It, this just doesn't work for him at all. No, not at all. Um, Bubba does stay on top as we go to war, to an aerial shot, actually, of the limo, and then we see Hall and Nash sat on the boot of the limo, just casually chilling shortly after. Uh, we cut to a break thereafter, and this break is sponsored and brought to you by the US Army. That's right, folks. <laughs> the US Army sponsored a fucking segment in WCW Nitro. What the fuck's all that about? Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. To be fair, I, I'm I'm pretty sure that WWE has been spon- spo- uh, been sponsored by the US Navy a few times. <laughs> oh, it's just it's just so yeah, bizarre. It, I find it yeah, so it bizarre. Yeah, doesn't make sense, does it? No, not at all. But and there you and go. again, so that's where public money's getting spended as again, well. Again, spent. WCW not capitalizing or anything like that. You could have had a segment with Sergeant Craig Pittman. Being sponsored Pitman. by the US yep. Army. If you want to give him some legitimacy, yep. do that. There you go. Yep. Craig Pittman spon- sponsored by the US Army. There you go. There's, there's a character. There's uh-huh. character building. He's yeah. actually monetarily sponsored by the US Army to perform for WCW. <laughs> we come back. Luger's slowly getting back on top as Jimmy hits the apron. And Lex has picked up something that Jimmy has thrown into the ring. Bubba hits the deck to fake a finish, obviously, but the outsiders are in here to hammer Lex Luger. And here comes Hulk Hogan skulking to the ring as Nash jackknife powerbombs Lex with Hulk pulling the hair down as he crashes to the mat. Hogan just looks fucking cool here. I can't I <laughs> yeah. can't believe I'm saying this. And he's gonna get a fucked on praise. I mean the the first half of this bloody podcast, like sorry, the first half, but the the first half year of this podcast has been me shitting on Hulk Hogan and saying how he's antiquated and outdated and really needs to fuck off and never come back. And now he's coming back and he's got a swagger about him. He can be the dickhead that we know he is. That's the that's the secret yeah. to his character. But he's coming here and he's wearing uh, a black sleeveless top, a black bandana, black shades, plain black tights and black boots with the Hulkster belt, which is black with Hulkster in white. And it's like, oh, he just looks so cool. I, I can't explain it. He just looks badass. This is absolute yeah. masterstroke straight from the off. Uh, I mean... It's not far off from emo Hulk Hogan that we talked about fucking months and months and months and months and <laughs> no, months ago. but he, he's not fucking acting dark side here. He's not fucking... Yeah. He, he's not on a bloody episode of Nightmare. He's... Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's not got that mask he's on. He's swaggering to the wing. Uh, to the ring. Swaggering to the ring. He's swaggering to the ring. You know, he just oozes cool. Yeah, he's cocky and he's just all about smugness now. Um... He gets, he does get into the ring, and 
he, sh- he actually shakes the hand of Bubba as Bubba, well, Bubba's getting up, but Hulk says, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do anything, I'm not going to do anything. And he shakes his hand all the way through this Nitro episode, by the way, they've been saying, who else can be an outsider? Yeah. It could be anybody. So we're, we're teasing this ideology that there is going to be more members joining the New World Order. Um, but Hulk jumps him as Hogan's shaking his hand, oh. uh, and they just completely demolish Did him. You actually... at the, at the behest of Hogan. Right. It was actually one thing that you didn't realise. Hulk, Hulk Hogan actually, sorry, Hollywood Hulk Hogan actually signalled for the attack, but he did it so slick-like that he, he, if it's a blink and you'll miss it. As he turns away right. after shaking his hand, he actually just lifts his shoulder up a little bit, like, and he just gestures with his arm just so slightly, and Nash and Hall have got their eyes on, on him as he do, does it. You know, it's just a slight gesture. He just pulls his arm back, as if to say, get in, boys. Fucking Wow, brilliant. I didn't see yeah. that. I caught it straight away, but I can understand you not actually seeing that, you know, because it's just right. very, very, very quick, and it's just perfect. A perfect little gesture. You know, you, you wouldn't know it's happening, but it's happening. Yeah. I mean, we, we hate and we proper shit on Hogan, but there, there are them... You like to say nuances. Yes. It's just them little things that he knows, and you know, there's not many oh, people he's a master. in the business. He's a master of his yeah. craft, regardless yeah. what you think yeah. of. Maybe the craft that he's, you know, that he's been doing is misplaced. It's mistimed. It's in the wrong era. But it's what he knows. It's what he knows best. Yeah. And yeah. you know, like I say, we know he's a bit of a dick. Well, a bit of a dick. He is a dick. But you know, <laughs> he, he can act on on his real life persona or what he's being accused of here. You know, he's playing yeah. into real life sensibilities and real life his real life characteristics, and this would be probably be something that he could do. But again, it's just like perfect timing, and that's not a character thing, a real life character thing. That's a wrestling thing. Yeah. And and, let, and, let, yeah, and let's be honest, let's be honest. When he's been a face, he's been pretty much a fucking heel. He's been doing heel tactics anyway. So. Yeah, of course yeah. he has. It's people with fucking chairs and fucking puts them into ring posts uh, and, irates. and just because he doesn't be a smile on his yeah. face like irex and war blows and yeah yeah ridiculous um but yeah the main thing to note from here as well is that hogan doesn't lift a finger at all like he doesn't assault anybody no. but he has hall and nash do it all for yeah. him um i don't know if there's something behind that uh, they, they do mention that tnt is just about to show the network premiere of mr nanny so yeah. <laughs> the fact that he says that Ted Turner's never done anything for him after promising him movies and millions of dollars is absolute bullshit because tomorrow night, <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Nanny will be on TNT, that, so there you go. That's the only misplaced in this promo that he could. Yeah, um, uh, uh, yeah Gene is in. Just like everything from this promo, Hogan, it just hits a nail on the head for everything. Everything just makes sense, as you were. Yeah. Yeah, Gene is in as Diesel... Diesel chants uh, ring out from the crowd. No. Hogan basically says, he does say the same stuff that he said at the bash, pretty much. He also says that 10 years ago, Sting was a skinny bodybuilder who was shaking in his boots when he met Hulk Hogan. He says that Macho blamed his divorce as the reason why he couldn't rise to the to the, to the occasion oh. when it came to Hulk Hogan. I feel like that there's some sort shooting. of erection shooting. joke in there's there. shooting there as well, because Macho Man legit did blame Hulk Hogan for the downfall of his marriage. Oh, okay. Right. I, I don't All know right. if you know about this, but when um, Macho, well, when Savage and Liz had some personal issues, um, 
Liz confided in Hogan and she was staying at his house a fair bit. Now, Hogan has always said, and Liz always said, that they never acted on anything, they never slept together or out like that. All Hogan was was a confidant. And he basically just yeah. planted the seeds of the divorce. That's all he did. He was just saying, and he yeah. was doing it innocently. You know, just saying, like, if you are not happy, if you're both not happy, then you, sh- you know, and it's not working, then you should divorce. You know, it's not... Well, this not- this was in the dark side. Yeah. But Linda kind of took the rap for it. She said that she was the one that was kind of promoting divorce. You need to get away from him. You need to come and stay yeah, with yeah. him, blah, 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 and all the rest yeah. of it. But then Linda was saying, well, actually, Liz was sort of canoodling up to the fucking, you know, the, the pool boy and everything like that. And she was having a great time. Yeah. But Hogan was actually out on the road. And she's no reason to really lie, has she? Because at this point, they're divorced. No. Like, she's got her settlement. Yeah, she can it, slag exactly. Hogan off all she yeah. wants. So, you know, we can, we for, for all Hogan's failings, we can say that he was innocent in this. He didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. All he was yeah. was a confident. He just gave her a place to stay. He didn't act on it. He was happily married at the time. He probably did do something behind fucking Linda's back. I, I don't doubt it. Oh, yeah. But, you know, for yeah. his home life, his home life, there was no issues. He'd come home and spend time with his wife and he wouldn't dare fucking do anything with Liz while she's around. You know? And, yeah, yeah I, I don't think Liz would have done it either. I don't, I don't, yeah. I, mean, I don't. She was... She was too cookie cutter, you know. She wouldn't. Yeah, totally, totally. Hogan and Savage at that time were best friends, and she would not have done anything yeah. to get in between them. Yeah. You know. I mean, the WWE didn't help this, did they? Because they made a story. Oh, no, of course, they might have been didn't. like a couple of years before. Of course, it, they fucking but... did. They capitalized on that kind of shit. Yeah. So they had Hogan like grab her ass when he was lifting her up onto his shoulder, onto his shoulder, and stuff like that. And then Macho was just like, "What are you doing, brother?" <laughs> fucking out. So creepy. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, I didn't even think of that, to be honest, when Hogan said that in this promo, but it does make sense. Uh, He also says that everyone else blames Hogan for their problems. He says that he's the greatest, he made the sport, and the NWO will rule the wrestling world. And Gene asks, who else is going to be in it? As You know, he's a journalist, he's got to ask them sorts of things. Hogan says, they are the foundation, they being Hall, Nash and Hogan, and there will be a bigger empire, more outsiders, could be people in WCW, could be people in Ted Turner's office, could be people in Eric Bischoff's office, could be anybody, and it doesn't necessarily have to be in WCW. He then goes on to call out the Giant at Hogwild on August 10th for the world title, and then calls out anybody from the back that wants to come out. And as has been proclaimed throughout the show, Sting, Giant, Fleur, and Macho are all away from this show. They're not here. Sting's, Sting, in particular, is in Japan. So Steiner... The Dungeon, Arn Anderson, they all come out and surround the ring, literally, as we end the show. And just to clarify, that main event ended in a no contest in 11 minutes and 30 seconds. At the end of this, Beth did say, why end it there? Why do that? It's because it's a free audience, and you never give an audience something that they can pay for in that sort of, you know, in that sort of environment. So, yeah, ending it... It before they even throw punches it's at a, each it's other. It's a classic TV drop. Leave it on the cliffhanger so you'll t- tune yeah. in next week. That's yeah. what they did. It's realism. It works. It works so perfect. You know, and it, it's pretty much a wrestling thing. Like, WWE have always done this. Like, well, they used to always do this. They don't They don't really do it so much now. They usually do it for, like, uh, Royal Rumble and pretty much that's it. You know, everyone's in the ring fucking fighting to tease the Royal Rumble. 
Yeah, you've done that a million times. But they used to do that. The cliffhanger, you know, something, you know, Bret Hart and Steve Austin are going at it, cut off there, you know, while they're fighting yep. in the ring. Perfect. It hooks you mm-hmm. up because you, you, as a viewer, are going to look at that and go, well, I'm going to fucking tune in next week to find out what happened after this. Exactly. And yep. find out what's going to come on, uh, come, uh, come, what's going to happen next. You know, that's... That's just TV in general. It works. It really does. It is. The final rating is going to be 3.4 to Rose 2.6. And your rating in this one, Brian? Sorry, it'll be on, dude. <laughs> Sorry. No reflection on the show. No, no, no reflection on the show. It's a reflection on the fact that it's 10 past fucking one in the morning. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> before I give you a rating, you know, I, I would just say, like, we, we, we seem to be in a bit of a pattern with Nitro that we usually have a great nitro or a good nitro followed by a, a, a bad nitro. Yeah. There were, two, there were only two really good matches on the show, and while the rest were like average or poor, we can forgive that and the dull main event for the sake of it, favoring an angle which was done, you know, perfectly. Uh, just taking into account that the bigger names weren't to be seen and the time we'd given to the cruiserweights and the great building to Hogwild and like a fast pace show to which is just a standard at this point, it would be a disservice to call it bad. Yeah. I'd also say that it would be giving way too much credit to call it great. I'd just say it was just above average. i give it 3.5 stars. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, the raw results from this one, uh, we've not much, two matches. WWF Intercontinental Champion Ahmed Johnson defeated WWF Tag Team Champion Bart Gunn with Sonny. Uh, with the Spine Buster and the Pearl River Plunge in 11 minutes and 28 seconds. And then Mark Miro with Sable defeated T.L. Hopper oh. with a right jab and a left-handed punch in 11 minutes and 30 seconds. I'm not entirely sure why there was only two matches, but hey-ho, there you go. That's what's on the other side. And that is that. Okay. <laughs> there we go <laughs> happy days uh, that's going to be the end of this podcast episode thank you once again to everybody that's been listening in uh, we're sorry if we've babbled on a little bit and got a little bit too drunk and got a little bit too tired but hey ho that's what happens it's our weekend thank you for tuning in uh, even though last week Brian said not to uh, he told you all to fuck off we're not going to do that this week we're going to say uh, <laughs> that we appreciate you being here we appreciate Good. you listening in and we appreciate you continuing to support the podcast Um Again, this this is all around our, our work schedules, and, and it's a, it's a crazy time at the moment because we're all busy as fuck, and we we just really appreciate that you guys are listening to us babble on about WCW in 1996, and we're going to continue to do it, lots lots more for me, marvelous Mark Ashworth, for you Brian. Thank you for tuning in. Good night. Sayonara, girls and guys, and everybody else out there. We'll see you again for another episode of the Nitrogen Podcast at Nitrogen Cast everywhere on the socials. Give us a shout out, give us a listen, give us a retweet, and check out the WrestleMania tweet along with our man Brian Talks Crap over here because he's going to do it. Yeah.